All right, today is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we talk about some weird Christian things. Um, For example, (laughs) when Christians pray, have you ever heard someone pray and say, Daddy God? How does that sit with you? Does that strike your ear a little odd? Well, to me it does, and we talk about that. Then we get into spirit husbands. What is a spirit husband? Stay tuned. Which then gets into the marine kingdom of weird spirit possession tentacle things. Um, And that leads us to the sneaky squid spirit. So when we have a lack of atheists and other non-believers to pose challenging questions, um, I guess this is where we go. Just picking at different weird Christian heresy type things. Quasi-Christian New Age NAR things. Uh, so we talk about that. That's fun. Um, the Daddy God thing, that's that's a kicker. I don't know, man. It's weird. It's weird. Um, anyway, then we talk about, well, it gets political, only for about the last 20 minutes, so it's fine if it's not your thing. But um, we talk about Trump, his million indictments, and how everything is probably going to lead to a civil war that one side, not saying who, um, not mine, is hoping to push for so they can say, look, the other side is being violent. Like, you know, we've kicked them, clawed, persecuted them, oppressed them, imprisoned them, and they're being violent. Now we can, you know, use military might or whatever. Anyway, that's the goal. Um, that's not what needs to happen, though. Uh, peaceful resistance and, and all that type of stuff. So um, anyway, enjoy the conversation. We'll see you next time. Oh, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Support this podcast. We need your help. Okay, so uh, someone else shared my contention, and this is a good one, right, for Christian living. How to know when you're being, like, too critical of other Christians, and how to know when it's, like, you know, probably warranted. And I'm somewhere in the middle of this. So, you know, I don't want to be one to, like, be overly judgy, because I'm like, well, you know, I don't I don't want to judge. Cause not, not like in a you're doing gross sin, I don't want to judge, but, like, you know, I, I don't want to, like, judge. Like, you know, your relationship with God is your relationship with God. So, you know, I'm sure you think I, I'm a little weird sometimes. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, bro, it's weird, right? So, uh, have you ever uh, wanted to throw the person or yourself for hearing the person into a pond full of alligators when you hear someone praying and they repeatedly throw out the phrase, Daddy God? There you go. Chris, what are your feelings toward uh, thank you, Daddy God. I just want to crawl up in your arms, Daddy God, and say thank you for you know this food and this day. Thank you, Daddy God. Chris. So there's, a lake, there's a lake here in Florida called Lake Jessup. And anybody who knows anything about Florida knows that when you trap alligators in lakes that they're not supposed to be in, they release them into Lake Jessup. And so Lake Jessup has the largest alligator population of any lake in the world. That person... Whoever keeps saying Daddy God should be put onto a tiny, tiny, tiny raft in the middle of Lake Jessup and made to swim back. Okay, so I have a feeling where this is going. Is there anyone on the other side that thinks, uh, you know, praying to Daddy God is a good idea? Any takers? How old is the person who's doing it? Let's say 30 to 40. If it's a four-year-old, that's adorable. If no, that is four-year-olds are adorable. That's fine. Yeah, that would be fine. But I've never heard anyone uh, in in that age bracket uh, pray this prayer. No, we're talking twenties, uh, millennials to forties. So think, so uh, think, 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 think uh, edgy, God? edgy, like edgy teens into young adults, and then the youth pastors that support this stuff. 
So that that whole like group of like twenty years. You do know Abba means daddy in like the Middle Eastern type of, well, like uh, a lot of lot of people Baba, Baba, uh, Baba. I know that in Arabic we was uh, I knew I learned that, but uh, it's the same thing as Dada or uh, or daddy. It's not or we would or we would say like father, but I, I mean it's it's more it's less the word like you know hey dad God. I mean that's a different category. I mean that's like messed up in its own category, but it's different than that. So, I mean, specifically for the Western ear, because, you know, if you say Daddy God and someone's like, oh, Abba, that just means Dad, that means Father. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, you know, in, in English, we know. It, it's like, it, I don't know, it's like somehow like, like how worship songs are like romanticize Jesus as like a romantic lover, right? Like, it, it's almost on like the I same category as, on the same category as, me. yeah, it's a little it, squirrely sometimes. It, it's like almost on the same level as that, but like a little bit of a shift. So, yeah, is there uh, anyone that, act, yeah. is there anyone... Is there anyone that thinks that's a that's a good idea? I think it's a good Not idea. Not you, Young. Isn't you've it? already talked, Young. Anyone oh, else, oh, Young? Okay. Oh, sure. Is this the room that I got? Okay. Anyone else thinks that's so, a good idea? So yeah, I don't think we should romanticize God, obviously, or you know, like, or you know, in any way, right? But I, I do think it is good and okay to remain childlike in our relationship with God, right? And and not try and be this. Um, co-equal right we are god's children and i think it's okay to have that relationship now uh, it's super cringe obviously right i think we can, <laughs> i think we can all agree on that part um but i think the 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 word itself super cringe but the, the spirit of remaining childlike to god under uh, you know submissive to him and uh like a like a child looking up to him for 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 influence and that fatherly guidance, I think is actually a good thing. I agree with the spirit of what you said. And as such, I would say father <laughs> or, you know, heavenly father or, you know, dear God or, you know, Jesus or something like that. I, I think for me, it's like the, like the, the cringe factor, which how many times can you say cringe factor before that becomes cringe? It is like, I don't know. It, it's, if someone can explain that, there's your challenge of the day. But it's really because it's like, you know, it, it, you think like, daddy, first of all, like, you know, it, you sound like you're five. And if you're 40, and if you talk to your regular parent, like, oh, hey, daddy, and like crawl up in their lap, you're like, you're five. Maybe I'm just insensitive and callous. But I mean, that's weird, right? For me, that's weird. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, hey, dad, what's up? I love you. I respect you. You brought me, you know, you helped bring me into this world. You raised me. You know, you, you were a great role model. You're a great father figure. Like, thank you, dad. I honor and love and respect you. Um, but I'm not going to be like, hey, daddy. Hey, dada. Ah! Anyways, so I think for me, it's like, you know, you, you, yes, God is our father. We've been gained the right through Christ to be adopted as sons and daughters of the most high God. But that's not like your earthly father. He's like, this is the one who made every molecule in existence. So like beyond like goo goo gaga, um, you know, God's not putting a plug in your mouth. He's saving you from eternal hell and give you eternal paradise to live with him. Uh, it just seems like a little, even though they're trying to make it more like intimate and stuff like that, like I think to, to perhaps a fault, um, they're doing that at the expense of like the absolute sovereignty of God. Um, I don't know. For me, that's it. So that, that, that's where I am. I don't want to be super judgy. Do you have a different standard for women? Because I do know women who are late teens or young adults who still call their earthly fathers daddy. That's true. And it, not in a it's giving way. sugar, baby. It's, it's giving <laughs> sugar, baby. No, no, no. It's giving sugar, baby, and LGBT community. 
That's what it's giving. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. If I ever hear Sugar Baby God, I will throw myself in Lake Jessup. Well, because I didn't even know, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, I heard Sky Daddy. So that's what I was like. Oh, well, that's what atheists say. But I didn't know. There are Christians. That was actually easier to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely yeah, more of the. I mean, it's, it's the same ones who will like, you know, romanticize Jesus to like a very uncomfortable level in like worship songs and stuff. Like, it's it's the same group, and I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's not like a denomination. It's just like a a crowd. It's like a, a the, the touchy feely crowd that wants to be so like, you know, like turn it into like an an emotional experience, right? Like. The love for God is so overwhelming that, you know, I, I appreciate, I guess, what they're doing, that they're trying to take it out of, you know, God's not just a guy in this book that's like, you know, do this, believe in Jesus, go to work, work hard for the Lord, you know, go to church on Sunday. So I get that they're trying to add some emotional element into it. And when you think about, you know, a loving father who, you know, takes the form of a human, dies on the cross for our sins, then it can elicit an emotional response. So it's not like, you know, we're in a vacuum and we're like, Yes, God, thank you so much. I am appreciative. We're not a robot, but on the other hand, it's like they start, they may mean well, but then they they take it to where like, you know, Jesus is like who is it, like Fabio, like riding on a on a horse through like a, a wilderness to like save them and whisk them away to like a palace somewhere. I'm like, bro, you you've you've jumped the shark or the, the creek brook or something. And see, and that's where the problem lies. Cause if it's if you're giving boyfriend and then you're calling Talk him daddy. That's when it becomes like too much. Like it's giving that's boyfriend, and you're calling him dad. Can you guys hear me? That's crazy. That's weird. We um, hear you, but you're Nate, a little staticky. Is my microphone back? Nate. Oh, um, I have one I want to share with you. Go to your list. Uh, what do you're chopping up a minute? I said, his dad is praying to baby Jesus. What do you? Once you, once you go through the list, I have one I want to give. Uh oh, D, you're you're chopping up really bad, D. We we're only like hitting every every other <laughs> word. Like, try again, uh, Marquise. You've been trying to get in for a little bit while yeah, these problems are internet. Well, I said it, it's as it's as bad as praying to baby Jesus. Yeah, we heard you, Sam. We're waiting to hear Marquise. Oh, okay. I didn't know if y'all heard me. I know I had a red bar. No, we heard we heard you. Yeah, and, and baby Jesus. I just thought about Ricky Bobby when you said that, baby Jesus. Dear baby, sweet baby Jesus, can I do Right? This is why Marquis and I are friends. Right. This is why I would say uh, I agree with, with D. Uh, because, so I'm automatically suspicious of anything that pops up out of nowhere that people latch on to. Because in the history of the last five to seven, maybe even ten years, all of the major sayings that westernized and sort of modernized progressive church have adopted have in some way shape or form been traced back to the lgbtqia plus community right from the yas with the ya and thirty thousand s's to so many other different things and so i'm like okay where did this come from because now you have you know christian witches who are mm. saying yeah that's there's that you got christian witches who are saying like it's totally okay to be an openly you know, same-sex loving marriages and be pastoring churches and people are bragging about having these people on their worship teams and prayer teams living this particular kind of life. And so I'm like, what, where does this come from? That's number one. 
because I don't think it just originated. I'd, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to see this as just originating from like a song. This probably came from somebody somewhere in that community. And to Nate's point, I've heard some really squirrely stuff about like Jesus being, yeah, Jesus is the lover of our soul, but people like hyper emphasize the fact that because we are the church and Jesus is the groom and we're the bride, then it becomes like Jesus being our boyfriend, our best friend, our boo type situation. Then I'm like, how does that work? Did he say boo? He did. No, Uh, I quoted He did say that. He did say that. (laughs) Clip that. But but, but the emphasis is that I didn't come up with that. I can't. There's a song by Kiara Sheard, now Kelly, Kiara Sheard Kelly, from her Bold Ride Life album called My Boyfriend, My Best Friend, My Boo, Jesus Is My Everything. No, no, no. Yes. Can you please post that link in chat? Yes. I I can. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll I'll do it. Okay. Hang on. Wait, wait. Hang on. Let me. Why won't this stuff work? Hang on. Kier. Okay. See, and I have have to duck and hide my head because this is the daughter of the bishop of our denomination. I got to hide. What's the last name? Hang on. I'm trying to get information here. S-H-E-A-R-D. S-H-E-A-R-D. And, wh- and what's the name of it? Like, Jesus is my boo? Or no, what, it's my it? boyfriend. It's called my boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna post this. Uh... Oh, and there's ads all over the place for shoes. Well, now that we've heard from Yaz King Marquis, uh, who else? <laughs> uh, D, you were saying? Oh, D, we still don't hear you. You're still chopping up. Oh, man. Chris, what else would you like to say? Or are you tying yourself to a log to float in Lakey Jessup? Oh, yeah. I think I think that's the best thing is if I do get tied to a log and floated out in the middle of Lake Jessup right now after this conversation. That would be great. Somebody, If somebody could drive to Orlando and do that for me today, it would be amazing. Final thoughts okay. on this, right? If If we can divorce the uh the cringe factor and the like sexualization of god factor which i'm not sure if we can but if we can do that right i think the remaining childlike right and like in in matthew jesus tells us uh unless you change and become like little children you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven so i think remaining childlike in that relationship with god is a good thing if we can divorce it from its questionable roots and and cringy kind of romanticization of god um, can someone check? I posted what I think is the link in the side chat. I can't make it through about 20 seconds of that song. Um, good Lord. And that was eight years ago. Like, that's been up for eight years. So, Marquise, if you could uh, yes, do it yes. mind checking honestly, on that. That's, that YouTube video has been up for eight years. I'm pretty sure that came out before 20. 20- Right? You know, or what's it? It's 2023 now. So that came out in like 2011, 12. You know what, Nate? I'm a coward. I'm going to need a few of y'all to throw me in that pond of alligators. Sam, we'll get tied to the log <laughs> together. It'll be you and me, and we'll fight off the alligators together. It'll have to do with our feet because our hands will be tied up. Is my But I, I like to just interject too. I've heard some Christians say, and I think it's a bit much, uh, you know, and when God say I am that I am, right? They say that that God is my husband. And literally, you can't tell the difference on which way they're trying to imply that God is my husband. I, I find that a bit much as well. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. 
throughout the years. And I, I don't I don't think that that should be. Look, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a bit much, but that's my. Well, God, God, God is my I can't husband. Get there either. God is my husband is a weapon, uh, and even the even the boyfriend boo thing is a weapon for. Uh, oh my God, for single um, single believers uh, in a in a in a sense of sincerity, and they trying to ward off people that they don't want to be bothered with, and they saying I'm I'm living a celibate life, and I'm not trying to be involved with you. And, and and they say Jesus. Is, I have heard it you, that way. You, you, ain't, you ain't got no baby, but Jesus is my husband. Leave me alone. Yeah. I like All it, right. Pastor hey, Sam. I like it. I heard it that way. Yeah. And they they pull on that whole that that passage from Paul where he says the wife is devoted to the husband, but if you're not married, then your devotion is to the Lord. They really pull on that. Like, nah, I'm exactly. focused on Jesus. I'm dating Jesus. I'm getting to know Jesus. I don't got time for shenanigans. I have heard it that way, but Did not. I? That's very like hyperbolic confess. when they say it. They not actually mean it. Versus I've, I was seen, a, on a, I've seen on a flyer. I'm going to say this real quick just for Chris, just for the cringe of Chris. I've seen this on a flyer, right? There was this like women's conference and it was like a service that was starting at like 7 p.m. And all the women were supposed to come in some like some brand of like nightgown pajama type stuff but nothing nothing oh. like super like nothing super scanty right so it wasn't lingerie but it was like two-piece pajamas with the kind that button up and have the long sleeves up top and at the bottom and they're supposed to like have a night of intimacy with jesus where they pray and it's like low lights and can't this is what the flyer says i've seen that have a night i'm like what i've seen it do? i've seen it so and, and, and again, as the only woman on the stage, that is. Mm. No, I'm I'm going to Lake. I'm driving to Lake Jessup right now. You guys hear me <laughs> driving? I'm driving to Lake Jessup right now. It's Twenty minutes away. Listen, listen. Do you see? What oh my God! Wait, Chris, do you see? Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Oh wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. I'm, I'm gonna delegate. We got too many people, and I also would like to say something. D, try again. You're super hard to hear, and your audio is awful. But try one more time to say what you're trying to say. I heard him. Huh? No. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, pray to Daddy God and uh, see if we can fix that um, phone line. But, uh, Chris, I mean, okay, so two things. One, form your most charitable response for these people uh, to, to, you know, because there's no takers on the other side. So for, form like your artificial stance to be most charitable. And on the other one, like that's kind of at some point, I don't know, it's like a disservice or like like disrespectful or on some level, if you really think about it, because, you know, like we're we're told, you know, humans are created a little lower than angels. And, you know, still how, how much lower are angels than God? So it's like if you take that approach and you're like, well, you know, Jesus is my boyfriend, like besides just how, you know, cringy that sounds. It's like, well, what is that like Jesus is supposed to be like dating a pet? I mean, like, you know, presumably people are a little bit more intelligent than they're like dog or cat. But hopefully you're not going to find a lot of Christians saying that, like, you know, their dog or cat is their boyfriend. So it's like it, it's the same thing. And I think if people really thought through that, they're like, you know what? You're right. I'm just going to defer uh, you know, to God as the sovereign of the universe and uh, stop this like Jesus is my boyfriend nonsense. Um, and that being yeah. said. So what right, is the most? I'll give you well, my. Well, 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 answer this in this in this, Chris. So the, the most charitable thing, it's like, uh, 
you know, as, as apparently the entire stage up here, well, except for Young, um, thinks it's not a great idea. So would we, like, correct them and be like, bro, that's messed up, stop that, never utter those words again, like, I'm going to set myself on fire? Or sh should you just be like, hey, you do you, I'll do me, like, we disagree on this, but whatever, go your own way. Include that, Chris. Right. Go ahead. I, I mean, so I let's mean a, we should let's be like, Chris. Chris let, let, let's assume let's assume that I have enough of a relationship with this person that I can actually talk to them about this. What I would say is, hey, one of the things that we really need to focus on when we're talking to God is his otherness and his holiness. And yes, he has he has given us the right to become children of God. That is true. It says it right in, in John one. Um but at the same time, we have to realize who he really is. And in Isaiah 6, we see clearly the holiness of God. And this is a picture of Jesus on the throne. This is not the Father. Um, this is Jesus in Isaiah 6. And what did Isaiah say? He is like, he said, I am undone just from seeing the pre-incarnate Christ. And you know, I think that uh, we need to focus on not only our personal relationship with Jesus, but also the holiness of the God that we that we uh, serve. And whenever we study God's holiness, it always leads to better conclusions, and it always leads to more holiness in our own lives. So God's holiness... It, if we can focus on God's holiness, then that will take care of a whole host of issues. I agree. And Steph, if you're wondering, we're talking about people who use the term daddy God in prayer. So if you want to jump in yeah. on that, you go right ahead. Uh, Santonio, you were saying something. Santonio? I just want to – okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was trying to get back to the phone. I just I do want to say this, that I do believe in worshiping God when we're talking about proskunuo. I think – I'm not sure if, you're, if I'm saying that right in the Greek – which is to be prostrate. I do believe in that type of worship. But a lot of times when you're hearing them say this, this, this information about, you know, uh, the God being their husband, you don't, I don't sense this type of worship that we give unto God in that type of language. It's a, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like, you kind of got to, you know, kind of find your way through exactly what it is that they're meaning. But I do believe when we're talking about worshiping God, we should have those intimate moments like they that worship him uh, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I think that word proskuneo means to be bent or to bow or to be prostrate to some degree in that form of worship. But I don't really sense that when they're talking about, you know, God being their husband. It's kind of something different there. And it's like it's like it, I, I guess the thing is, it's it's like from their perspective, I'm sure they think it's more worshipful and more intimate. But from my from my pers <clears throat> my perspective. I see that I, I give them credit that I think they think that's what they're doing. But from my view, it's like it, it cheapens it because by them trying to be like more worshipful and more intimate, they're conflating that with like a, what is like Eros like type love, which is like a, a romantic love, which is messed up that we're even talking about God in that context. But it's like, you know, the like agape, like, you know, all father, all consumer, all consuming, like parental, like, you know, that type love, you know, like leaves there the Eros and like Philo and all these other love, like in the dust, like that's, that's like the greatest expression of love. Um, it, it's either what, like unconditional or like very close to unconditional, like a parental type love. So, uh, you know, God as our father, like nothing is going to beat that. Not like, you know, 
dates with God at the cheesy shack and getting a, a snake like at a so uh, shake in the sock up. Like that's what I think of. It's like a sixties thing. It's like take God to the sock up. He's my husband. It's like bro, that's messed up. Um, so so I think in trying to to be more worshipful and more intimate, they're actually kind of cheapening it. Like Victoria would set them on fire. Like should definitely burn them at the stake for this, right, Vic? <laughs> so so um hey i got i got something that'll completely throw us off track because i got a question so we were talking about soul ties with ceo a couple days ago right <laughs> and we got into <laughs> that whole thing it put me down a rabbit hole you know what i what else i came across and i need an explanation for and i'm hoping somebody can help me out here because we got a, a a wide variety of folks here today from from all walks of life in different countries i think so what is a spirit husband and what kind of nonsense is this? What in, what in the what is a spirit husband? The I, only I thing that. I can think of with, it sounds like Dee knows what she's talking about. I'm going to go first because I have no idea. My best guess is someone you've hooked up with that you weren't married to. And that's your spirit husband. Dee, Dee am I right? Or did you, do you know what you're talking, what you're about to say? Or That is one, but you know, when um, they were talking about, uh, <laughs> when about uh covid and she's uh d it's not happening you did not pray to daddy god hard enough oh, all right hang on ceo ceo actually had ceo actually had another topic so does anyone know about the spirit heaven while d maybe just like emails it to us and steph uh welcome that's to, what i thought the... well i, I mean apparently that's one of, uh, well apparently that's <laughs> one of them and some of my hearing through throughout um um my Christian uh, time, I've heard like Ichabus and Succubus spirits. I think that's what they kind of use those spirits. For. Yes, and Jezebel, okay. and Jezebel. Yes, you're and right. Jezebel. That is. So, spirit husband has to do with Mormonism, also. Your spiritual. Oh husband. yeah, right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's like a that. there is a context for Mormonism. I fully know what that's about, but like I'm confused about. There's some kind of thing where like they're casting out spirit husbands. So they can have an actual relationship with their real husband because the spirit husband is like taking away the mojo of the real husband. And like, is it like a work husband? Whole, yeah, it's like this. <laughs> can crazy I be heard bit. now? Yes, yes. please. So far, but you oh, just yes. jinxed it. <laughs> hey, praise <laughs> the Lord. All right. Try, try, one, try one more time or be banished forever. Okay. Right, go ahead, D. So um, remember. Um, when uh, the vaccination was being rolled out and they had that one doctor who was like, you know, when you're dreaming, you're having sex with the spirits. That's the spirit husband. Did you, y'all don't remember that? Y'all don't remember No. That? Yeah, I've definitely that heard was, of that too. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Nate, do you remember when the, okay, there was the, this is like fake news to slander them. There was the team of doctors that came out with the actual COVID protocol that involved ivermectin. And uh, yeah. one of them was trained in North Africa and was talking about her training oh, I and the kinds. Her. Okay. Yeah. So that's what Dee is referring to. Oh, okay. I yes. don't know what she said, but I know so it's I'm like, Oh, what's her name? Dr. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I know. I, I know I've seen her like, yeah, I've, I've seen her in some interviews and like the stuff she says about COVID. I, I think she's pretty, pretty solid on. Uh, the spirit husband stuff, and apparently she's also a pastor too. Take that as you will. But I, I definitely is she here in Texas? Do not. Yes, um, yep. I, I definitely don't really agree with a lot of her uh, theology stuff. Like it's, she, she'll say some right stuff, but then it gets a little sketchy. 
So I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just listen to her on COVID, but that's what, you know, most other people are saying about it too. So, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to go to one of those soaking rooms and ask them about spirit. Chris, I have a definition for you. Oh, oh, good, good. Hit me up, hit me up. Uh, here's an official definition. In some Christian circles, particularly charismatic or Pentecostal, there exists a concept of spirit husband or spirit wise. These are believed to be spiritual entities or demonic forces that form unwanted spiritual marriages with individuals, hindering their earthly relationships and causing various forms of distress. Individuals fearing involvement with spirit spouses might seek deliverance through prayer, fasting, or other spiritual practices to break these supposed spiritual bonds. Man, that's some crazy no. stuff. Like, that's crazy. Chris, can I just become a Calvinist? I love when we have the, the Pentecostal pastor that's like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> I, I'm, ready, I, I'm ready to just be a Calvinist, Chris. Is that all right? Will you accept me into your fold? Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. hey, hey. I'm vehemently not Calvinist, and I'm also not buying this, okay? There is another path. I think you got a spirit husband you don't know about. <laughs> I do not. Honor and respect your spirit husband. So I would say what I think happens sometimes is you have people in Christian Christianity who want to be thought leaders and they want to develop concepts and they write books and they actually make a good living coming up with these sort of concepts. So I think that's what happens sometimes. Right. So then because they have large followings, when they get up and they talk about these books, then what you'll, you'll happen is again, and it circles back around, it circles back around to what I said earlier, that whole bandwagon, if you see a whole bunch of people, Christians otherwise, just latch on to a phrase, a concept, a term out of nowhere, red flags, red alarms, red lights should all start buzzing. Because when you actually go look at this, you'll see there's no actual biblical connection. Like the people who will talk about like, ooh, Marine Kingdom, and spirit spouses, you'll you'll find that it's all in the same circle, and whoa, they will whoa, all whoa, whoa, whoa. fit somewhere about the around Marquee. the same types. Marine Kingdom. Whoa, wait, yes. you cannot just say Marine Kingdom and keep is going. That like King of Atlantis. What is the What's Marine that? Kingdom? Is this like Jacques Cousteau? Okay, is this like no. underwater so spirits? Uh, yes, it's underwater spirits, and it's specific. Oh, what? Oh, I no, was I'm, I'm kidding. No, let I'm him go. I want to hear it. You got to <laughs> you got to hear this, my guy. Let me let me get you, uh, borderline Calvinists and Calvinist people, up to speed on what we're dealing with over here in the uh, the the right side of things. I'm just playing, but so the Marine Kingdom is a particular branch of the Kingdom of Darkness that most closely associates with aquatic life and animals in representation and symbology and mythology and in dreams. So if you have a dream about an octopus or a snake or like a moccasin or a python or a shark or anything related to water, right? An alligator, something like that. Chances are you're in some type of spiritual warfare with a spirit from the marine kingdom. So, and then they, they overlay that with a lot of Greek and pagan mythology. So they're going to say that the slave girl in Philippi in Acts 16, 16, the one we were talking about like last week, Nate, she has a python spirit because the python is the symbology that's used with uh, uh, the oracles of Apollo and the altar of Delphi and et cetera, et cetera. It's the python that's around there. And so that, or Minerva or Medusa with the snakes. So it's like, ooh, you got a Medusa spirit if you're into, like, 
you're like, Holy it's 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 heresy. so wild. And so you got. So I've heard that before. You know what though? I am so glad that all of my dreams about God being an octopus have finally been (laughs) explained. Thank you. So Marquise, yes, wait, Marquise, wait. Okay, hang on. I'm gonna start clearing the stage, guys. Like, if I drop you, don't be offended. But there's like a thousand people wanting to talk, including myself. So we've got to have some kind of order because everyone's just banging their heads and or like driving to the lake. Chris is going to throw himself in. Nate doesn't like fun. I I love fun. I am fun. Anyways, um, (laughs) Marquise. Do they, I mean, you mentioned some kind of quasi-biblical stuff. Do they, do they pull anything from, like, the Bible at all, like Leviathan or, or any of that stuff to make their case? Or do they just, no. like, ignore so, the Bible so altogether? The, the closest thing they're going to get to it is Leviathan, because that's mentioned in Job. And most of these people haven't read Job all the way through. Let's be clear. Let's be very fair. And I won't use an absolute, because that would be fallacious. <laughs> but most of these people, like we talked about yesterday, they haven't read Job all the way through. They just literally Googled, like, KJV Leviathan and, like, figured out where it's at. But nowhere in Acts does it mention a python spirit, any of these things, the actual biblical perspective on demonology or angelology, however you want to terminalize it uh, or label it, I should say. Um, they don't They don't pull from that. They don't pull from, like, oh, when... When a, a person gets exercised of their demons, the demons go to a dry place. And let's look at that linguistically, contextually, accurately to see what Jesus is talking about when he says this thing. And then it comes back with seven stronger. They don't they don't pull from that. It's all based on what some other person who's, quote unquote, in this field says. It's all based on like this historical. I oh, see. You see what I'm saying? So it's so so they'll have their own they'll have their own like book. So like uh, instead of a book yes. of Mormon, they'll have their book on spiritual warfare. So instead of going to the Bible to see what it says, they go to their like you know extra biblical book. Uh, mm. Steph, you were saying about your dreams of God as an octopus. I mean, I guess that's that's I don't know if that's better or worse than Daddy God. I, I think I'll say better. I don't. But, have, go, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone has. I don't know. That I don't have that guy. So that's not a thing. But wait, Chris, was, wasn't there? And don't don't do it. Wasn't there? <laughs> Okay, in the ancient Jewish understanding, I had read this somewhere, that there was like a cultural sort of feeling about the sea, right? That the sea was chaos and kind of the opposite of God. And this was like, there are a lot of scriptures that reference like the danger of water, the danger of the sea. And so it's not a doctrinal thing, but it would have been a cultural thing at that time. Is some of that, are you familiar with that, Chris? Yeah, so that, well, that's part of the, that's part of the, so that's part of the ancient Near East scholarship talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. chaos with Tiamat and, you know, like bringing order out of chaos. Like I don't buy a lot of that stuff. It's based on just as much conjecture as it's not really based on any science or, or any understanding of ancient Near East. It's just based on Hegelian understandings of the development of religion. So that, that gets into a whole different thing, but, um, but Jennifer LeClaire, who has been on Clubhouse, who is a uh, prophetess, um, she famously talks about the sneaky squid spirit. Is this, And this is to the whole audience, the whole panel. I don't know much about this. I've read about the sneaky squid spirit. Would this be in the Marine Kingdom? Have we made a link between the Marine Kingdom and Jennifer LeClaire's sneaky squid spirit? Or, My husband yes, would say, I have a yes. sneaky squid spirit. So, so you Chris, you're, 
your obsession Thank with you. this alligator lake is actually you being under attack by the marine demonic Oh my kingdom. gosh, that's right. Does marine have to be salt water, or can it be a fresh oh, man, water? I guess it fresh can water. be. No, it's, yeah. it's just water. it's just water. It could be a frog, right? So uh, when when they talk about no, I'm serious. When they talk about like, like, there's frogs in Revelation. You, so you, you're talking about Exodus, right? And you're talking about. Um, and then they do like secondary or tertiary things, so like things close to water. So like mosquitoes are going to be like oh, I get that one. Things I'm like sold. that. So I'm it's, sold. It's gonna be water like, adjacent. Like, it's going to be yes, exactly. So when they look at Exodus and it's like the water turned to blood, and the river turned to blood, and the Nile turned to blood, and, and all these other different things, they're going to make like some connection to like you know God was warring against the marine spirits that were like dominating Egypt and enslaving and oppressing the people and then the idea from all of that is the marine kingdom is like pushing to oppress and provide stronghold and opposition to the kingdom of Christ so that's again it's going to be like so loosely related but a lot of the principles and foundational perspectives are coming from their own literature, their own studies, which in the worst way integrate mythology and symbolism from other ancient cultures and read that into a very clear depiction of what these things look like in the Bible. Wow. Man, so like it sounds like the NAR is just a lot of fun. It sounds like it's a, that that may be the attraction to the NAR. You can take all the fake miracles or whatever and that's just normal, but like Man, if you got like the Marine Kingdom and then you got but Chris, the this isn't even a Nar thing. Well, you know how that there, you know how there was that graphic how they just how that guy posted and it had like Nar was like outside of, of like you know any sort of correct understanding, but then it was a really big circle. It's like this has got to be like the farthest point away from the gospel, um, the, the farthest away that even the Nar circle gets. It's like the the far the dark side of the Nar. Nate just doesn't understand it. Whatever, Squid. <laughs> you you just don't know because you're bound. Um, yeah. It, 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 it ends up being like Ooh. These, these things that are like, uh, what do you, it, there's a name for it in, in philosophy where it's like something that can't be disproven. And, uh, and, and it's like, it's like a statement that can't be disproven. All of their logic is self-evaluated, right? So it's kind of like the psychologist or the psychiatrist who evaluates you and says, hey, I saw these terms or I saw these traits in you. And so I diagnose you with this syndrome and then they evaluate whether or not that syndrome is present. And when they evaluate it, they use circular logic and say, oh, this syndrome is defined by these traits. And I saw these traits in you. So that means you have these syndrome. You have this syndrome. There's no like independent study, no independent. OK, let's let's look at the person's, uh, you know, let, let's look at these other different things. It's like those weird studies where the person who comes up with this crazy theory or crazy syndrome, for instance, like the guy of uh, money that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, right. Who does like the, um, uh, the gender theory stuff. It's like, he's evaluating, Oh yeah. What I said about this is actually working, but there's no objective validation, right? Not in scripture, anybody else. And if you speak against it, Oh, well, it's because you need deliverance or something like that. And all of this, let me be clear. All of this is with the goal and the aim of privatizing and monetizing the field. It's become an industry of deliverance. So you, you might have thought back in the NAR, old NAR days of like the, I won't say old NAR days, but back in the day in certain situations, you might have heard about, okay, you know, there might have been like some like, uh, what do you call it? 
uh, Terry service or something like that, you know, Pentecostal situation right. where like, you know, demon manifests or whatever. Somebody cast that demon out afterwards. That person gets saved. That makes sense. Right. Cool beans. But um, now it's it's and when I say that makes sense, I mean, somebody, you know, there's like a demon cast out of them and then they get saved. Even if it was whether it happened or not, if it was going to happen, it would happen before the person got saved. That's the point. That's what I mean by makes sense. Right. But the point being that instead of it happening within at least the confines or safety, if you will, of like a general assembly, now you got people traveling across the country coming to do deliverance service, like as private consultations. That's a thing, right? You you, you fill out a form and you can do it. You can schedule a mass deliverance. So like you and four, five, six other people, and that person will come to your city, to your town, to your house and do this sort of, large mass exorcism right and you pay them a fee it's it's monetized and it's privatized as opposed to you know even for the people who felt like okay this particular thing like i know chris is of the persuasion that um you know uh exorcism is a is a sign gift right so that's that's something for the, the, the apostles in the bible right i know okay. that's, that's where so, chris stands so, on it. so so two questions um one do you have uh, any contact? Uh, three questions. Do you have any contact information? Because I would like to, um, gosh, I wanted to say joking, but now I should say maybe for serious, like schedule one for this clubhouse room. And then two, <laughs> would anyone actually like to schedule a mass deliverance for this clubhouse room? And I mean, either it's really going to be a, a fun way to disprove them, or we all really need it because we're messed up people. Um, but Will Deer, I mean, you have a uh, you... chip in 50 cents. We could probably pull that off. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot more than that. You're going to have to dip into savings because that's the yep. will of the Lord. But, uh, Will Deer, do you want to hang? Let me, let me just call on people. There's way too many people. I will call on you. I will try to be fair. Will Deer, would you like to get in on this? Uh, yeah, they just want to connect everything to a spiritual realm rather than this just is what it is around here. So it, it, it becomes this big convoluted mess on which spirit are you demonized with and all these kind of things so trust in jesus put your faith in him fear not for i am the lord i will be with you it's all we need and chris this sounds like something that would be right up your alley to to test these people i have a feeling you would be interested in trying to schedule one of these people to come on this clubhouse room and do their thing am i wrong in that Oh, I'm I'm already looking into budgeting this. Me and Steph may have to fund this together. May have to pull out some of that. She may need to pull out some of that real estate money, and uh, we'll pool the resources and we'll get us a, a real live deliverance minister. In what here. kind of budget and are Nate, we talking here? To your deliver- we have deliverance ministers on here already. In fact, now nah, we want the real one—the one that costs the big bucks. But Nate, well, to, I don't to, know to how your point, they do it virtually. But they do I do it virtually. Ta- I you can get a virtual. There's two people talking for some reason. Sam, you had the floor. Please I continue, challenge. Sam. I challenge the deliverance minister. I'm not gonna call his name. I'll leave him alone. But I challenged him, and then what he did was have me to come and listen to. Well, actually, I wasn't listening. I w- w- he had a Zoom. He had a private deliverance with a husband and wife, and he asked them, "Could I come and put- listen in?" I didn't actually participate well i did participate but i would have to explain that whole thing but i i went because i wanted to see what actually what he was doing what he called deliverance well what happened well okay so these people are telling their 
plight of why they're not, they're living in two different houses. And he goes through somewhat like a counselor uh, and they explain uh, what their issues are. And then he calls it a spirit of this and a spirit of that. And um, uh, the woman is a little overweight. The husband doesn't like it that the wife is a little overweight. And then it becomes, well, she's overweight because of the spirit of this and the spirit of depression and X, Y, Z. And then, then spirit of cookies. Right. And then he proceeds to cast these spirits out. Okay. I didn't stop him from casting them out or anything like that. But at the end, when they invited me to participate, I went to the scripture and made it clear that the believers were not possessed and these things are to be dealt with this way, with these scriptures. That's, I mean, because I can't do the spook. I just can't. And I didn't embarrass him or try to belittle what he was doing, but I didn't, I didn't sow into the ideas and stuff that he was saying. I just brought it back to the scripture for temperance and, you know, patience and forgiving one another, that kind of thing. But it's, it's like what uh, Apostle said, it is an industry. And they gave him a donation or whatever. I don't know what happened to my donation. <laughs> okay, so on a... I never invited uh, you back. So. Nate, I, I may have a really direct tie-in on this. I was actually, these topics sounded familiar, and I was just looking at one of our clients' book proposals that we're about to shop. And some of the topics do include the power of deliverance, what is demonic activity, the difference between demons, manifestation, witchcraft, magic, and evil, and what are generational curses and blessings? I can attempt to call her and try to ping her in here if you like. I guarantee she will hate you by the time we're done. Especially well, can can you all can, can you all avoid mocking her and and let her talk seriously? Just I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm just going to say no. You. I can't avoid that. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Steph and I could do a bang up job of being respectful. Uh, Chris, she wouldn't last five minutes. But CEO, you had. Uh, Chris, come back to us when you find the uh, contact information. Let's, uh, let's let's get a deliverer in here, particularly for you. And the best case I think someone could make for this mar marine type thing is someone mentioned a Little Mermaid and like Aquaman. If someone wants to be convincing, say that's demonic. That's the best case you have. I, I could probably bite on some of that. CEO, a long time ago, you had a point about Gen Z and millennials, you started to say. Yeah, and actually it ironically kind of ties into this because we're talking about awkward teaching. So we talk a lot about how Gen Z has these unbiblical beliefs. And my question is, is that their fault or is it the fault of the baby boomers, Gen Xers who are teaching and perhaps the millennial youth pastors? So I wanted to put that on the table. Who's responsible for Gen Z's unbiblical beliefs? Can they read? Chime in. Uh, we'll come right, right to you. Steph beat you to it. So me, Steph, and you. Um, but uh, it's everyone's fault because there, there is no shortage of wacky people. So it's not just like boomers, like, you know, the Gnostics have a handle on this. They're like, the, you know, the first people to do this. So, you know, there's no shortage of wacky teaching, but there's also no shortage of, well, there's kind of maybe less sound teaching, but there's still plenty of sound teaching. So in part, it's, it's yeah, the people doing it, uh, but it's equally the part of the people going to hear it. Like they could just as easily, you know, go find some sound teaching, read their own Bible, and then go find places that, you know, preach very, very close to what their Bible says. Um, so they don't, either because they have like a coffee shop that they really want to go to that happens to be the stuff, or because, you know, they have like her night or date night with Jesus or something like that. So, um, you know, whatever the appeal, um, light, smoke machines, 
that seems to be the people that have these wonky teachings. Um, if you go to a place that's probably the more holy, probably the more boring it seems. I know it sounds bad to say, but there's probably not going to be a whole lot of coffee shops and pumpkin spice. And it's probably going to be like, hey, here's a church. Here's some lights. Let's worship Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Go home. Uh, Steph. Uh, well, first of all, Bob in the audience is offering to do a free deliverance for us right now. So uh, that's there on the table for you, Nate. Uh, second of all, th this he's is not, not certified. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. He's sorry, Bob. Um, this is not new. Every generation has had poor, I mean, we're, we're told in the Bible to, you know, lean on this discernment, that this discernment that comes from the spirit that we can tell what's sound teaching and what's not. And then we also have this text, but the Gen Z right now is not coming up with any like bright, shiny new heresies. It's the same nonsense that they were doing a hundred years into, yeah, an apostle, I saw that, Marquise, I saw that you had written this in the chat too. They're like, they're not coming up with anything new. These are the same topics that were discussed a hundred years into the creation of the early church. So in some ways it's like, yeah, we have to squash it, but in others, we don't need to be discouraged overall about the future of Christianity because this is old, old stuff. That's my right, I'm going to push back on Wait. one level. Well, uh, can't, okay. CEO, I will take you to the woodshed. Brandon is next. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say, in, 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 I guess, disclaimer, this is why I don't like charismatics. Uh, just a disclaimer. But, like, I don't think... a little bit okay. Yeah. You know, and that's always make the distinction. Um, like, the stuff you see now, especially with NAR, a lot of this stuff isn't new. I think they've become more predominant. But I don't know if anybody knows their history, but a lot of what you're seeing with them is nothing different than what took place in the late 40s, early 50s with what they call the latter rain movement. And my pastor, um, he was uh, coming into ministry in that time period. Him and a lot of the ministers from his generation, they fought a lot of the stuff in the latter rain movement, which was extremely dangerous. Um, it destroyed whole churches. And I mean, the whole Pentecostal churches with just crazy teaching. With like a lot of the stuff like Bethel is known for like gold dust and falling out the sky and angel wings appearing and just just a lot of not and like these are Pentecostal churches that had to fight a lot of this nonsense out. But I, I think and what the the tension is, I believe there is a spiritual realm and I believe there are things that take place, but the wonkiness of it is that you can't let a lot of this unbiblical I it, it's I don't think it is an either or situation like, okay, we have to have boring church to be biblical, but I think there is such a counterfeit and there is such a all focus on things that are scriptural to be relevant. And I don't think it's Generation Z's fault because I know a lot of foolish baby boomers. I know a lot of foolish Generation Zers. Uh, and I think if, the, the, one of the main issues that we're having is that just people just they they just will buy everything wholesale and like the with the deliverance ministries and stuff like that. Uh, I've been saying this for years, uh, like you know the seed all friends and a lot of this nonsense. Well, the reason they didn't get this is because you didn't sow this seed in ninety nine ninety nine. Whereas people will will and this is and I'll say this in land. What what really irritates me is that as long as these particular people will affirm one particular doctrine. But you'll let these folks come in and preach at your church and they'll bring in this whole boatload of nonsense, you know, as far as like this 
these like deliverance teachings and all these other things and and just wreak havoc on the lives of people spiritually and folks just like turn a blind eye to it and i'll be honest it, it just vexes me it, it just it vexes me to know what's in uh ceo um yeah so i, I just want to say to steph's point to me, I think we should have more empathy towards Gen Z and also more concern because the proliferation of this content on YouTube and social is so dialed up that it's more impactful than what we dealt with 20 years ago. So I feel like the amplification on social makes it different than what previous generations have dealt with. So I'm going to argue that it doesn't because as a, as a millennial, we were kind of at the, the forefront of this and it's not, you know, blah, blah, blah. There is just as much proliferation of good information. So the amount of consumption is higher, but the Veritas forum is out there. You know, John Lennox is out there. are people who are teaching sound doctrine who have phenomenal YouTube ministries. So if you're going to argue that there's there's a ton of bad information it's like yeah but there's there's a ton of good information available as well yeah i think that's true stuff um thank you Nate. um i you're welcome my son i believe though that i, I think what daddy maybe Dallas. daddy chris <laughs> lord i'm sorry i repent i know myself in the way conclusion we came to the same conclusion at the same time that's that's twinsies right there that's messed up my Chris, son, we can't be friends my son now. Call, can call me that, and it's fine. Um, and he's 13, and he still says daddy, which is adorable, and it makes my heart melt. And I think he knows that, and so I think he's manipulating me. But anyway, <laughs> let's go on. Um, so um, I, I agree with Steph. There is tons of good information out there. Um, you know, I, just an anecdotal story and then, a, then, then statistics – the anecdotal story is my son goes to a Christian school. Like this is a very strong evangelical school. Um, they've always been, you know, filled with only Christian kids. Um, and at his school, he is literally the only kid in his Bible class who has ever cracked a Bible on his own. And he is telling me this. I'm not like feeding this to him. And his Bible teacher is amazed most of the kids in his Bible class, now, when he was in third and fourth grade, they learned all the books of the Bible, and he can rattle them off in order. Well, like, they'll say, he'll say, turn to the book of Joshua, and all the kids will just look at each other like, where do we find that? Um, and and then they'll look at JC and, you know, have to have to do it. It's just, this is a Christian school. These children are in eighth grade, and they don't even know that the book of Joshua is in the Bible. And these are supposedly evangelical kids and they have to go to church every week. This is like a thing. Like if you go to this school, if you don't attend weekly church, they throw you out of the school. So like all these kids go to church every week. None of them have ever cracked a Bible. So that's an anecdotal story. Um, and they go to different churches. This is not just like one church. Like this is like tons of different churches. There's like, I think 30 or 40 churches represented at this school. Um, including my own church. Um, the statistic that I think is concerning to CEO is that one that we read the other day that is the worldview. It's the Barna worldview study. And what it's showing is that from each generation, the amount of biblical worldview is decreasing by, um, by 50% per generation to the point now where Gen Z is at 3% 
of children that are evangelical kids. This is not like a full Gen Z, like where you have all the pagans. This is just evangelical Christian kids. Chris, only... is this in America, like strictly in America? This is America. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They don't, this is just America. I'm not talking about the rest of the world because it's, you know, that's totally diverse and different, but, um, but only Christian kids, 3% have a Christian worldview. Now that's better than their parents, or that's that's not as good as their parents who six percent have a Christian worldview, and the grandparents, twelve percent have a Christian worldview. It's, I mean, it's a dismal figure. This is amongst evangelical, self-reported evangelical Christians, not like you know you're not lumping like Mormons in there and all this other nonsense. This is strictly evangelical Christians. That's the that is the statistic that is absolutely terrifying. I think. Feel free to speak freely, unless it get, gets crazy again. Oh, thank you, uh, Nate. <laughs> oh, Steph, can I, can I say something real quick, Steph? I'm going to have to of hop course. off because my students. But thank you so much, Steph. And hey, good to see you, everybody. Um, I was going to say um, the, the, st the statistic that Nate brought out, uh, brought out not sorry, uh, that Chris brought out, is something that I've specifically spoken to and had lectures of uh, that focuses on the progression of what is considered socially acceptable thought from and you can trace it through literature or you can trace it through, you know, newspaper history, how, whichever way you want to go. But you're going to see on basically every socially connected front, a progression of ideas from like, let's say the romantic period. Right. Where it's like a major shift from God and country, like um, uh, uh, patriotism or not, patriotism in that sense, like all for one, one for all, like the three musketeers type stuff from, uh, you know, England that type of thing. But in the Renaissance and then the, the romantic period that chases the Renaissance, you're going to have a increase, major increase, and one of the probably most major increases in the two concepts of individualism and independence. And those two things will continue to push and drive, especially in North America with the colonial period. And you get romanticism, dark romanticism, gothicism, um, realism, naturalism, modernism. And then at the end, I should say more recently or most recently postmodernism in the 60s, you're going to see a continual progression and elevation exponentially of those two concepts. And that's the driving force behind that major rejection of authority, of absolute uh, morality, objective morality, objective truth, objectivity, period, and an increase in relativism and subjectivism. And you can trace it um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's that's the cause or the guiding force, but you definitely see that correlation there. Even as Chris is talking about each generation, this, that is a statistic that tracks the um, social interactions that you see on one end of the spectrum, you know, four or five hundred years. What are you banging around to the present? Oh, it's, it's <laughs> chairs. It's students taking chairs off of desks. That's what that is. Send them to the principal's office. But you know what's interesting about that? So here's the thing. <laughs> I, I could see that. But I think that the stats that Chris are giving are within, you know, like he gave maybe from the 1950s until now, right, to this generation. So people who are in their teens from 1952 today. And so you get this, like, image of this declining thing. But I'm going to continue to possibly err on the side of optimism because if we just look at American history, right, this, there's like a... An ebb and a flow. It's a pendulum. It goes back and forth. And even throughout world history, we see that where prosperity increases, 
what we would call morality decreases. This happened in ancient Rome. This happened in the Enlightenment period. This happened in the Industrial Revolution. It's happening now. Like this is where prosperity goes up, this reliance on God and that um, subject, that uh, objective morality goes down. So the equivalent in American history, the most recent equivalent to Gen Z was actually the teenagers in the roaring 20s. They were doing a ton of drugs. They were having a ton of sex. They were out like drinking during the prohibition when it was illegal. They're getting arrested. They're naughty. Like their parents, what was it? The Edwardians or whatever that came before, like that era that came before them were absolutely mortified at the way that teenagers acted during the roaring 20s. Like the decade got called the roaring 20s. This is like, it was nothing different than what we see now, except that I guess they didn't have social media. So there could be something there. But th this is a pendulum. And then what happened at the end of the Roaring Twenties? We had a bunch of teenagers who completely had forsaken all of their morals, didn't do any of their, you know, they, they had horrible doctrine as far as Christianity is concer concerned, I'm sure. We see a lot of really bad doctrine coming out of the turn of the century and the, and the early 20s and, and onward. Then what happened? The Great Depression. And then those people who had been naughty teenagers had to, like, get married and have children and navigate a world where plenty was no longer a thing. Like, everything crashed and burned for them. And there's this return back to what's actually important. And, and there's this sort of revival of better teaching, right? And then the same phenomenon happens with World War II. And then, again, we see something kind of similar with the hippies in Vietnam. So, you know, this... This is a repeating phenomenon. So I guess my overarching point is don't get too down because it's still not new. Like even in American history, this has happened. Yeah, I mean, Steph, so I do agree with you that like, I think optimists always win. So I think optimism is great. Um, I, I think from a just a marketing perspective, the general rule is controversial ideas travel faster and get more exposure than good traditional ideas. So... When I talk about social, I'm talking about the proliferation from that perspective. So the controversial stuff is always going to, well, 90% of the time is going to go more viral than the mainstream good teachings. Well, wide and broad is yeah, the that leads to hell. But I mean, you right, also but, see, you, well, you also see like the hundreds of people, you know, like by the day being baptized, at like, you know, what Auburn and these other universities, um, you know, for these like church services. So, I mean, it's not nothing. Right. God like, is in control. Just real quick, controversial can go either way, right? So a good example of that also CEO was like Thomas Paine's circulars during the American Revolution. Those went absolutely viral. Everybody had a copy of Thomas Paine's writing in their house and it inspired a revolution, among other things. But that this can this can happen in either direction. And so by the time that you're in the roaring twenties, the controversial idea is to go back to a traditional lifestyle. So it, it, I'm just saying you, it's you've made me feel dependent. better, Steph. Thank you. You have there made you me go. feel better. Oh, well, yeah, and controversial stuff like like Canada praising the Nazis yesterday. Like, you know, that went so viral, Trudeau had to apologize. I mean, he blamed everyone but himself, but he had to apologize. Uh, yeah, Chris. <laughs> well, I was going to say, so to Steph's point, she, she's exactly right. Um, and, uh, Ooh. right. Well, I, I've been saying that a lot. Put more it, often, put it been, on the calendar. Yeah, you, you know, you should, um, yeah, you should just keep talking like you're talking. You're talking like a good Calvinist. I like it. So, um, what? This American yeah. history has nothing. I know. Go on. It has Duke, everything to do praising. with Calvinism. It's great. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what what I was going to say is that this is the hundredth anniversary of one of the watershed books of the twentieth century. It is called Liberalism and Christianity by J. Grisham Meacham, 
And uh, you can read it for free if you like, because it's out of copyright, or you can pick up a copy for like five bucks. Um, but it is like, it's like he wrote it in 2023. Like the exact things that he is talking about in 1923, we are dealing with in 2023. It is like, I could read a passage out of it and you guys would be like, oh, wow, was this an article you read this week? You know, and it's like, no, this was written a hundred years ago. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, really? Uh, Victoria, you, are you still here? Nothing I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't get to explain my PTR. Oh. Someone let Victoria know it's about the goats that ate 600 pounds of pot. Now it's the sheep. Come on, man. Oh, right, right. Dude, oh, by the way, I had a further revelation about the sheep since we're talking bar <laughs> today. So, yes. my further revelation with the sheep is you know what gyros are made out of, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like lamb, sheep, right? So... What I was thinking is somebody needs to get very entrepreneurial, buy this flock of sheep, make them into euros, and then brand them. This is where CEO, oh, CEO's on the phone. He's going to miss his opportunity. Brand them as the weed sheep euro. <laughs> and, dude, talk about, like, guys are going to get the munchies. And it's like, dude, if you got the munchies, you need weed sheep euro. Wouldn't that just perpetuate the munchie problem? It would be like the it would be like the spiraling into perpetual munchies. Yeah, it could be it could be that. Oh wait, what is that? What's like the the Catholic term, like the the whatever perpetual whatever? It's like the the whatever perpetual munchies. Any Catholics here? I'm sorry. The perpetual virginity. I don't know. Mary. Like like whatever the stuff they say, like perpetual. They got a lot of perpetuals. There's a few. The sheep of perpetual munchies. The per, the sheep of the perpetual munchies. That could be a thing. It's like Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow. Only Catholics are going to get that joke. Like, but anyway. No, we got it. Joke. We got it. It's a Blues Brothers joke. Come on. Um, I know. Great movie. God, See, I've seen that one. one. Never. Okay, seen Okay, you've it. seen that one. Okay, so yeah, I'm from Chicago. So there's a lot of those jokes are like really, really like. The, the bit about Lower Wacker Drive, like, if you're not from Chicago, you're not going to get it, but it's hilarious if you're from Chicago. But yeah, maybe you should get a copy of Liberalism and Christianity and read it whilst eating some Our Sheep of Perpetual Munchies uh, Euro. Look, the thing is, everyone in here, your great-great-grandparents were naughty. They were naughty, and we see all these, like, stiff old photos of them and lace collars up to their neck and all that. That's, that's because off-camera, they were naughty. All right? This is, there is nothing new under the sun. It's been a bad, bad sheep. Bad. Wow, like, everyone wanted to talk, and... and... I know. We, if we, we could, if we could just like get, the sneaky squid spirit, if no, we could just see. do, if we could just do the average, and it's like instead of like ten people <laughs> yelling at once, like how about just like two talk at once, and then like carry that on to fill up the dead silence, like right now. The uh, problem is, Nate, you gotta, 
you got to be less threatening with your moderating, right? When everyone starts talking at once, the technique there is to go, all right, we got a cue. First, we're going to do CEO and then Marquise and then Chris. Here we go. Go ahead. See, you got to You got to keep the energy. You can't be like, I'm going to throw everyone down. Because then they all well, I was trying. I, I was trying a new tactic. Usually I, I try to be be nice, but I'm just like, I don't know. I'm a bad moderator. Someone take Have my you job. Not no, no, no. You got to muster some, my example? some excitement. Yeah. Like, don't don't learn from my example. Do as I say, not as I do. He's rubbed off. Yeah, Chris just starts throwing everybody. Like, that's it. Indiscriminately. You're in the goo. You're in the goo. Everyone's well, in the goo. Well, what? let's revisit Let's revisit the good one. So, you know, the thing that got everyone, like, talking talking about was when people pray to Daddy God. You've not weighed in, Steph. Would you care to weigh in on uh, when people are like, Daddy God, in their prayers? Or I you just want to, like, claw your face off? I have never seen this in a church setting, but my neighbor in Richmond, when I lived in Richmond, she was at the, see, there were a lot more Christians in Virginia than there are in New York. So I have these two very opposite experiences. Anyway, my neighbor in Richmond was this very sweet, like, you know, I don't know, 23 year old recent graduate. She's the same age I was, blah, blah. We became friends. She referred to daddy God, and she's the only person I've ever known in real life who did that. And it freaked me out. And I always want to be like, why are you doing that? But she also called her parents mommy and daddy. I think it was a Southern thing. I don't know. It, it, that freaks me out. That's as far as I can give on it. That's gross. Steph, can we talk about <laughs> you geographically stalking me? I lived in Albany and I lived in Richmond, Virginia. What is going on with you? Hey, so what neighborhood were you in in Richmond? Henrico. You were in Henrico, of, and then when? It was a rich roughly. man north of Richmond. Uh, 94 to 97 is when I went to high school, but my dad lived there until 2008. Oh, okay, so you were still around. So I lived in the museum district from and the fan. So I was back and forth between the museum district and the fan from like uh, 2007 to 2015. Wait, 2011 to 15. So we missed each other. Gotcha. Great city, though, right? If you have never visited Richmond, Virginia... Put it on your list of places to go. It's a beautiful city with really happy people. I would move back there tomorrow. Awesome place. Go to Richmond. What's that there, Shawnee? It's not? Oh, Shawnee doesn't like Richmond. I don't really like it either. What? Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was just because when I lived in New York, I felt like everybody was integrated and I wasn't really even aware of, like, racism at all. Most of my friends were, like, Italian, Puerto Rican, and all this and that. And when I moved to Richmond, it was like people are only black or white. There's, like, no culture. There's just color. And that was just very jarring for me. Okay, so that's interesting because in New York, thanks to Ellis Island, we have a lot of various immigrants so you'll see italian neighborhoods chinese neighborhoods like you'll see kind of first second third fourth generations of it's, it's a whole it's a lot more diverse but richmond was interesting because i feel like they've had to come to terms over the past 180 years or whatever with their history as the capital of the confederacy and i actually thought that richmond was overall more integrated than rochester new york where i grew up but it could just be because, like, the ratio of black to white people. Like, yeah, you were missing the Italian neighborhood and the Chinese neighborhood and the Indian neighborhood and all that, like, we had growing up. But it's like there were the ratio of black to white was a lot better than it was in upstate New York. 
Do you think that's accurate? I never lived in Albany, though. Yeah, no, that so that part's true. But even as, like, I went to a mostly African-American high school, and I just did not like it because the African-American community there was very much the kind of oppression tone, the whining about racism and all this and that, and we can't rise. It was like, I, I, I can't, I don't like negativity, and it was just a lot of that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's definitely a different experience than I had in, like, the 2012. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. A white lady had a different experience than a black man. <laughs> yes. This is shocking. <laughs> I will concede immediately to that point. Yeah. But, you know, also I had moved from, so I had moved from New York City to Richmond. So I think that's my closest compare. Like as a, as a young adult, those were the first two places that I lived without my parents, right? I grew up in Rochester. Then I went to school in New York City and then I moved to Richmond, Virginia right after. So the, the stark contrast between New York and Richmond, I just, I don't know. I definitely preferred the culture in Richmond. I thought it was more integrated. I thought there was a better ratio of different ty- of different people. But yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't living in that world and receiving, you know, I wasn't part of those conversations. So I will concede you could be correct. But it's a beautiful city like Richmond. All of Richmond looks like the most expensive parts of New York. I was blown away by what I could afford in Richmond versus, you know, in the Bronx. Because the Richmond north of there. Ha! I was determined uh-huh. to get that joke out there. Yeah, you got it. Acknowledge it. So can we go back to the sneaky squid spirit? Jennifer LeClaire has been on Clubhouse. I was in one of her rooms. She didn't let anybody on stage. She was just talking. But like, man, I really wanted to talk to her. She just, she was not. not Who is this me. person you keep bringing up? I have not run into this. Okay, so she's a very famous like on TV personality charismatic. Um, and she is big into the deliverance set and her name is Jennifer LeClaire and she's super famous for having this really creepy sermon about the sneaky squid spirit. And, um, so this whole thing about the Marine thing that, that Marquise brought up and like, yeah, just all jive for me all at the same moment. That's why I was so excited. I was like, wait a minute, I'm starting to get the, the links. Starting to starting to put all this puzzle together. So, yeah, Jennifer LeClaire. Just look up Sneaky Squid. I'm missing the connection. Is she on Clubhouse? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she she rolled up into Clubhouse one day and had like 4,000 people in her room because she is very famous um, in charismatic circles. And so, like, you know, I just was I was just chilling in there with the other 4,000 people and just listening to her for a while. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know if she comes on still. but she would do these enormous rooms with all the people that would be like in the soaking rooms and the, you know, oh, all that boy. kind of stuff that you see. Like they all flock to Jennifer LeClaire okay. because she's one of the prophets. Oh, and by the way, Nosa, um, I tried to invite you up if you wanted to speak. If it's not working, let me know. And or it's probably safe to make Steph a mod. Steph, could you uh, send safe? What? What is Steph, this? Steph isn't salty today. So, because whenever I move fine. people down and they like request to come back up, you have a habit of just like clicking and accepting them right, no, like, right no. back up. I, I admitted, I said out loud at the end of last week that I was not bringing people up anymore. So there, that's your job. <laughs> I was um, trying to be a good administrative assistant, but you can handle the whole thing. You go ahead. I mean, I don't know what to say. You I would be the your, most assertive I appreciate administrative your service. assistant. I like, it, yeah. Anyways, could you be a good admin right now and please invite Nosa because it's not letting me. <laughs> oh, can you? You said please, right? All right, wait, where is he? Nosa. Well, yeah, but even if I didn't, if I said do it now, I mean, it's not for my benefit. It's for Nosa's benefit. 
I accepted Edvin also. Invite to speak. How could you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Michael, did the sneaky squid spirit get you in here today? I don't know what that is. Um, oh, we got to spend time updating <laughs> oh, him. Oh, please, Michael, Michael, you're gonna love this. Okay, Chris, go, go. Michael, Michael. Yes. So you Michael, learn how more here. Christians are crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Cat Kerr, her best buddy. Is She's this hysterical. Crazy... I love her. She right. I'm gonna I'm gonna improve your day right now. Look up Jennifer Leclaire. She is the so like you know how Cat Kerr is kind of weird and kind of old and has the pink hair. Jennifer Leclaire is like the young, good looking, well dressed, put together, wearing thousand dollar shoes like version of Cat Kerr. And like, but she says more insane things than Cat Kerr. So she's like the Lauren Boebert version of Marjorie Taylor Greene? Yes! Who is the 100 version of Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think Nancy Pelosi needs to go away, too. Um, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look her up. What was her name again? LeClaire? Yeah, Jennifer LeClaire. Just just Jennifer Google LeClaire. sneaky. Wait, this is, this is the best Google search. Google sneaky squid spirit. Do it. Let me oh. Google that for you and drop the link in chat. <laughs> but Chris, don't you want to update him on marine spirits, spirit husbands, spirit wives, and I mean, and I'll that? let you do that. I gotta go. Well, I mean, we don't. I mean, we only have so many time in the day. I'd, I'd like to see what Edwin has to say too, um, instead of in recapping. And Nosa, he, uh, he can't overload Stephen, me. Can't overload me too much. My brain. And, and Nosa, like hopefully Steph invited you, so you know I'd like to give you a chance to talk I to Mister the other day. Well, I'm sure you did. I have faith in you. Maybe um, the Can I also let player. Felix up, or is Felix off limits today? Sure, sure, go ahead. Felix not off limits. Right. I invited him once. He was here. I guess he swiped left. Edwin, what's he up, Edwin? swiped. Hey, Nate. Uh, can I bring up a topic that has nothing to do with what you're talking about? Is that okay? Please. Please, okay. yeah. All right. Just want to get your thoughts on something which I'm not sure about. You know when Paul talked about the thorn in the flesh, and he says, lest I be exalted above measure, you know, because he was given a lot of revelations, okay, the abundance of revelations. I was given a thorn in the flesh, lest I be exalted above measure. Do you know what, what do you think it means to be exalted above measure? Is it dealing with pride? Any, any thoughts? Does what make, do you think, you Daddy know? Chris? Okay, I'm done. I can't even do that as a joke. Chris, please. <laughs> Gosh, I have to go wash my mouth out with soap. Oh, yeah, you do. Well, I think he was just, like, he goes on to talk about how in his weakness, it's, it's obvious that whatever he's doing is not from him because he has this weakness. So exalted above measure might be like his phrase that he's using for, uh, you know, given credit for something that's not, nobody's going to be confused. Nobody's going to think that this was from Paul. Nobody's going to exalt Paul. Uh, above measure, I guess, is a funny phrase that I wouldn't. Okay. So I was thinking that if he didn't have the thorn in the flesh, he may have had this, is it that he might have distorted views of himself? Lifted up with... Yeah, like pride. Like I did this by my own strength. I'm the one spreading this. I'm the one doing this movement. Oh, he took a phone call. The rest of us care. Does that sound right? Sorry, I was... like, like Paul is talking about how in his weakness, there can be no confusion about who's, who's doing the moving because Paul has this problem and Paul is flawed and Paul has this history. And he keeps, he gives examples of like, it's clearly God and not me because A, B, and C. 
Well, yeah, this is why Paul writes about the foolishness of the gospel and that it isn't eloquent words, but it is foolishness of Christ and him crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Because Paul used to exalt measure? himself in his own scholarship. Uh, oh, wait, what's the verse? Oh, I don't know, but Edvin said it's the I one know. where he says, he has the thorn in the flesh lest he's exalted above measure. Yeah, I'm driving. Um, give me a minute, I'll look up the verse when I stop. I mean, usually when you say something is above measure, you're like, it's incomprehensibly so. This is like, you know, this ice okay, cream so is amazing. Above oh, sorry. Sorry, my car was in transition. Um, so it's Second Corinthians 12, 7. So what's your thought on the phrase above measure? This is breaking down fast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it just says to keep me from exalting myself in the LSB. And the Greek word there is hupeero. Um, um, and it means to raise or lift up above or over, to lift up above, to lift up one's, oneself, to be over elated, to bear one's self arrogantly, to rear a haughty front. So it's to be a prideful person. Makes sense to me. Sounds good. I, got, I love Mounces, man. Mounces is such a good resource. I've just been recently using that. It's so nice. What is it? So, so if you've got like one of the like Accordance or Logos or something like that, um, Mounces Greek Dictionary is free because it was made like whatever, 200 years ago. Um, and so you can include that in the Greek text so that when you click on, when you have it in interlinear mode, you can click on a word. And then it just shows you a little pop-up that has the Mounce's definition of that Greek word along with the pronunciation and along with every instance where that Greek word is used so that you can click one of those links where the Greek word is used, either in its nominative or in its current case, whatever the thing is, and you can see all of the different instances. You know who else does that is the Faith Life Study Bible app. It's a green icon with like a little, it looks like a Bible with a bookmark in it. Um, so if you look up, it's all one word, Faith Life Study Bible. It has all of that built in too. And it's actually, it's not super intuitive. It's kind of hard to use, but it'll do that same thing where you tap on a word and it will give you the definition and you can go hop over to this resource or that resource or see where else it is in the Bible. It's super helpful. Good morning, Mr. Corletta. How are you? Hey, I'm well. Thanks for asking. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Pretty good. Are you sure you don't have the sneaky squid spirit? He a does. Grace to God. A what spirit? Sneaky squid spirit. Carletta is more like a, he's more like a, a, an octopus spirit, you know, like he's got, he's, he's strong and he's capable and he's, he moves fast. That's, that's my assessment. Can change colors. Yeah. Ooh, change. Oh, can you get spirits that can like camouflage themselves? 
A chameleon spirit? Wait, you, that, the way I interpret that, you're kind of saying I'm two faced. I can change colors. That's I'm I'm I wear everything on my sleeve. No, you fit in anywhere. They really mean you could blend into a tree. Yeah, um. <laughs> you fit in. James, we learned today that there's apparently a sect of Christianity somewhere out there, or they're calling themselves Christian that believes in marine spirits that are evil, like octopus spirit and sneaky squid spirits. And oh, yeah, that's so that's interesting. It it is, but I caution you that uh, this is we do not share this opinion, as you might have guessed. Yes, I understand. Oh, dude. Okay. You guys, I think I can pull this off. I think that just by posting in the right forums, like if I go to the right NAR forums and like make a sock puppet account, um, just build up a bit of a reputation over time, maybe give it like six months. I'll bet you that I could make the face hugging spirit viral. <laughs> like the face hugger from Alien. Yes. Oh I my gosh. Make, we should make that happen. We should try to get you like get you credit like credit like establish your street cred in nar and you could be a prophet and, and like try to get you like really notable as someone in the circles and like we can all like go make sock accounts so and like build you up be like yes this guy like predicted the squid in my soul or something like that and be like he's legit he's legit and we can still thunder from all the nar people who didn't endorse you and they're like no no he's not endorsed by us he's not real he's not real and be like bro he's real for me he took care of my leviathan spirit like I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this guy's legit. And, like, establish enough of your credit that you become the arch prophet of NAR and then just tell everyone how it's all a lie and you did it to troll them and they're all demon possessed. Yeah. What do you think That's, for the long game? This is sounding good. As long as I can do the face hugger spirit, like, I'm all about that. <laughs> CEO, you think we can make up the face hugging spirit and it could be, like, really convincing? Sadly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> What about the sucky face spirit? No, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> it's got to be some kind of an animal, you know? It'd be like, you know, but this is like the alien from Alien. It'd be like, no, this is the face hugger spirit. I know this is a thing. Where do you think Geiger got it? Geiger was inspired by demons. Like, I could go a whole thing. Geiger was inspired by demons, and when he came up with the face hugger, that was from a demon that he actually knew of. Yeah. See? You feel me? Okay. I mean, one, sorry, Steph. I was just going to say one song comes to mind. Too much time on your hands, Chris. Too much time on your hands. He's going to do it. He's sitting on the bar stool talking like a damn fool. You guys, I, don't, I haven't even done my billing yet today. It's like 9 30. It's 10 o'clock. I haven't done my billing. It's like thousands of dollars in billing. <laughs> Our fire topics have uh, kept your kept you occupied, dude. You get me going about the sneaky squid spirit. I'm like, all right. So when I look this up, am I going to be underwhelmed to be like, no, Chris was just building this up, or it really as ridiculous as you say it is? It, it really isn't ridiculous. And Jamesy, you could be right. I could lack the personal charisma to be a cult leader. But then again, no, you don't. You'd be a pro. 
cult leader, this would be a very successful endeavor for you, Chris. So, so Chris, I, I'm I working. to use my powers for good only because if I wasn't really, one of the things that I do, and this is like, if you want to delve deep into my psychology, one of the things that I do to make sure that I don't become like some kind of weird cult leader is that I use my acerbic tone to kind of push people away and push them off so that I don't become a weird cult leader because like when I was in college group, like I had a cadre of people following me around, even though I'd only been a Christian like three years. And so it was very disturbing and I knew that wasn't right. And so I think this is where I got some of this, like when I'm very, very caustic. Okay, so this is going to seem very scary to you all, but I just decided to create Chris's face hugger spirit scenario with ChatGPT. Oh okay, here we Let's go. See it. The face hugger spirit could symbolize a harmful or demonic influence that believers should guard against and seek liberation from. This portrayal could emphasize the danger of allowing negative influences to become deeply attached or entrenched in one's lives. And I'll just give you the headlines of the principles. Detachment from unhealthy bonds, dependency on God, not evil, recognition and repulsion, protection through prayer and vigilance, seeking deliverance, promotion of holiness and righteous living, and community support. Can you get AI to generate a PTR for him? Ooh, yeah, we need a picture. But I love that Catherine just walked in and she's like, wait, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Feel free to join us, Catherine, if you like. Yes, welcome to the Ratchetest Christian Room on Clubhouse, where daily you can come and get your dose of ratchet Christian news. And I mean, without like atheists and Muslims, like to, to be like new atheists and Muslims to circulate and be like, why does God create evil? Why do you worship three gods? Like, I mean, we just go to like Christian, like messed up Christian dark corners to, to shine some light in, I guess. Yeah, you but Nate, God doesn't create evil until you mess up. Oh, here we go. I figured it was close enough to the end of the day. Would give Bob a few Is minutes. Is it close enough to the end of our lives? Is that what you're getting at? Am I gonna get Are you still driving to Lake Jessup? <laughs> no, I would have been there by now. I just went and picked up a computer from a client, but I guess now I will drive to Lake Jessup. Is that where the alligator ponds are? Good morning. That is the alligator pond of Florida, yes. So whenever they capture an alligator that is where it shouldn't be, they dump it in Lake Jessup. Like Jessup has the most number of alligators per square mile of any body of water in the United States. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No. Why do you people live in this state? Well, actually, I know the answer to that. But there's too many alligators there. Because we well, can't function I, I in the what. rest of the world. We'd get locked up. <laughs> you, you know what? Do comps around Lake Jessup, Steph. You, you have the, you're the real estate lady. You have the ability to do this. Run some comps. Right around Lake Jessup. Hold on, I could do this right now. On Alligator Lake and what they're selling out. Let's see. I have a feeling you already know. I'm about to pull it up. Hold on. I mean, Chris. Don't ask questions you don't know the answer to, right? Oh, see, the I whole know problem, the like, it, yeah, like right away, when if you live in a place called Alligator Lake, <laughs> you, you just, you don't. You go. You go somewhere else. How do you spell Jessup? Uh, J-E-S-U-F. Siri wants to talk to you. J-E-S-U-what? J-E-S-U-P. He said U-S at first. Don't let him lie to you. I did say that. I was like, because I'm trying to drive, and I'm looking at this car in front of me with boxes falling out of it, and dump truck next to me. 
My software does not have access to a town called Lake Jessup, Florida. Oh, well, it's not a town. So it would be Sanford, Florida. Oh, okay. There we go. Thank you. Sanford, Florida. S-A-N-F-O-R-D. Got it. Not to be convinced. Not to be. Oh, here we go. Okay. Yeah. I don't see Lake Jessup. I see Lake Monroe. Am I in the wrong place, Dave? No, you're, that's, that's right around there. Lake Jessup is attached to Lake Monroe. They're all about I see. Lake. Okay, let's see. Properties are... Let's see what we got here. You can buy... Oh, wow! You can buy a shack for $270,000 that is within walking distance for the alligators. You could buy a vacant lot for 550000 that is within spitting distance to the alligators. Let's see. There's a condo for seven seventy-five. dollars a studio condo. This is horrifying. See, Land is $800,000. They pay a top dollar to live right next to the alligator lake. I it's see that. Okay, acreage. Acreage is going for $120,000 an acre. To give you an idea where I am, acreage goes for about $20,000 an acre. So that's insane floridians are insane absolutely I mean, bro insane. the alligators are not bad like they like i'm looking at one right now like they just like kind of mind their own business you're looking at one little, yeah they just kind of swim across the little pond and it'll you just like do well, I mean, it's, it's, it's cloudy no because we don't go walk in the water like we just watch yeah, it now like goes to the other it goes to the other side of the lake and it just kind of sunbathes and it'll stay there for a few hours and then it'll slide back into the water and just like kind of you know, go to the oh, other thing, and, and it'll and it'll wait until someone's dumb enough with their little two pound dog to walk right next to the water, and it'll jump up and eat it. But most people that have lived oh. here like a day don't do that. So like we keep like you know a healthy fifty feet between us, and it just completely pretends like we don't exist. I cannot believe there are people in America who will live like, within eyeball sight of an alligator. Like that sometimes we'll, I'll be like I'll gone. be like riding my I'll, I'll be like riding my bike or something. We'll be like going to the pool, and um. Uh, you know, in the evening, the alligator will just walk across the road, and we'll get like I, you know, 20, 20, 30 so feet away, and uh, the neighbors will come out, and everyone will take pictures of it and put it on Facebook, and we stay about 30 feet away. It ignores us, walks across the lake or walks across the road to behind their house, and jumps in the other pond. I miss nope. that so That's much. Nope. Up here we have bears. I would rather deal with bears, and I will. Oh, got bears too. Die on. Bears. <laughs> bears in Florida. We got bears. We got bears. Yes, we what? got. We got. We got Florida panthers. I mean, yeah. I mean, snakes are the worst Whatever thing. Like, I, I do not like. I do not like snakes. Like, Michael, would you would you live in a in a nest of like you know snakes everywhere? Like, I mean, you may be, or do you like them in cages? Like, I, I don't like that. I don't like that there's snakes everywhere. That's my problem. You're you're talking to the guy who keeps pythons. Like, that's what course. I'm saying. Like, do they? Are, are you cool with them only because they're in a cage and they're not like you know in your bed? Or like if you like have like a, a nest of pit vipers outside, would you be like, you know, I like snakes, but I don't like them like that. Well, so I mean, you know, I mean, so for safety reasons, like, so I wouldn't want my dog to be outside and be bitten by a viper. So, you know, so I would, I would want them moved to a, you know, an, a less, you know, habited location. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, and so here's way too much information. So what, like one of my snakes, uh, Buttercup, uh, I will sometimes <laughs> sit on the couch with her. And she'll be kind of you know, like either around my neck or sitting kind of on my chest, and and I will take a nap with her doing that. It doesn't bother me at all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. I mean, it, yeah. Michael, sorry, this is fifty buttercups. I was just gonna say, Michael, do you have a wife? 
Yes. Yeah, I've been married for 17 years. Yeah. (laughs) I I was just going to ask. It's kind of unusual. Does she mind the snakes? Um, I mean, she's not best friends with them, but Uh, she doesn't. But she doesn't hate them. But the snakes don't give her orders either. (laughs) That's pretty bad. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but neither do I. What is Bob saying that his wife hates him? You're welcome anytime. Bob, I don't understand you. Someone explain Bob. I mean, do you need the joke explained? He orders his wife around. (laughs) Hey, all I know is alligators are not spirits. You ain't got to worry about them getting in you. If you want some spirits, go to the bar. I'm sure you'll have a big party before you leave. I think it feels flat because I know Michael too well. There you go. I can get into this new Bob. Bob with just like little bits of wisdom. I'm into it. Is uh, he a Trinitarian now? No, he just, he just has pithy sayings. Um, <laughs> well, Bob has alligators, right? Wherever you live. I had alligators in my house. I had them in the bathtub uh, before I graduated from high school. But uh, we weren't making love or nothing. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I mean, don't discriminate. I don't think that uh, that Michael is doing nothing with that Miss Buttercup. You know, I, I I don't think they're mating at all. I I mean, I don't think anyone thinks that. I don't think. No, we were just saying. Usually, just women are afraid of snakes. Yeah, that's what we were saying. Well, that that's not accurate at all. I know lots of female reptile keepers. Um, but that yeah, that's um, Bob Anna. On a on a on a long list of stuff I've heard you say, that might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. What? You don't think I'm mating with another species? Oh, you are. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm done. Hey, Bob. Bob, I, stop stealing oxygen from the rest of the planet. I don't think you are. I mean, that's all I was stating. I mean, just because you laid up on the couch with Miss Buttercup, you know, I mean, there you go. Unreal. Um, where do we go from here? Yeah, where, yeah, where do we go from here? <laughs> we, yeah, well, you could say almost anything that would be more intelligible. Oh than my that. goodness. So, Bob, I do not, I, I do not believe, I refuse to believe that you steal women off the street and keep them locked in a dungeon. I do not believe that, Bob. I'm glad. And if you do, don't incriminate us. My wife wife would have let them out if if I had. Go ahead and confirm that for us, real fast. No, yeah, I haven't done that. You you have assessed that correctly. Hey, Nate, you feel like jumping into the the, uh, the political (laughs) ring this morning? Well, I did see that, um, you know. If you would have never corrected me the first day I said his name wrong, I, I, I'm sure I've said it right before, and I would have continued <laughs> to say it right. Since you corrected me that one time, I am forever cursed to say it wrong. Trudeau. Close. It's, Trudeau. Uh, Trudeau. I, I should just think it's like true, because it's like the opposite of everything. Anyways, but he um, did apologize uh, for honoring the Nazi Um and he said it was unfortunate and it was an embarrassment to all Canadians. So he uh, he apologized 
but he blamed everyone but himself. Even you, Michael, by extension, as a Canadian, it is your fault, and you were embarrassing as a Canadian, even though you didn't know anything about this. Um, so, yes, he, he did apologize, though. That's unfortunate. <laughs> is that um, where you were yeah. going? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't where I was going. Oh, but, okay, no, go ahead. Interesting. Yeah, like, like Trudeau is not – I mean, he's, he's much better than the, some of the alternatives, but he's not my favorite, like, but far and away. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I was, I was wondering if you heard about, um, the summary judgment against, uh, Trump for fraud in the state of New York and how now basically all of his businesses have been turned over to like a, a caretaker and his business licenses have been suspended. All of his business licenses in New York have been suspended. And he's likely going to have to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 million for um, like things like back taxes. Because basically what things he said is like, well, he would go for a loan and he'd say, oh, I'm going for a loan. This building is worth a billion dollars. I'm paying taxes. Oh, this building is worth a hundred million dollars. And he's been found to be the summary judgment is uh, if, if I read correctly, somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 million. And I'm just wondering that, you know, because, you know, he's, he's, he's your guy, like you've said, you're going to vote for him in 2024. So, you know, someone who has, you know, now been, you know, ruled, you know, summary judgment of fraud and, and how you're feeling about him. Uh, well, no, I haven't heard anything about it. And uh, without looking, I just want to say that the his people who hate him have poisoned the well so much. That is like the people that have cried racist on everything that was not racist so much that now when there actually is a racist or Nazi being honored, no one bats an eye because they've been so desensitized. So I would be very curious to, to know, I mean, you know, like my eyes are glazing over as you're talking like business and numbers and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, if I really wanted to go on a fact-finding mission, I would want to know if there's like really legs to this and if there are legs, how firm those legs are. And I, I, I'm very, very, very skeptical um, of just anything against him at this point, because you see people are like throwing spaghetti at the wall, like, you know, the lies, the fake dossier, the Russian hookers, like all, all this other stuff, like everything they're doing is just so, so much lies that is there anything they're doing against him that is actually true? Like, I'm sure if they dig in all of his business records and all this other stuff, they'll probably, I mean, you know, the same way they would find something that any of us have done, right? Like if you look close enough, like who was it? Someone said like, if you don't find something someone has done wrong, just like look deeper, or get a bigger magnifying glass. The point is like, you know, everyone is guilty of something like even speeding. So are they looking at it like that? Are they nitpicking? Was it really egregious? Um, you know, did it, did it violate like a, was it like a misdemeanor? Was it a felony? Um, so these are the questions I would have, but on its face, they have poisoned the well of Trump so much that it would take like a mountain uh, of evidence to convince me at this point that that there's any genuineness to it. But no, I'm not familiar with uh, that. Yeah, so you can just uh, – you now this only happened yesterday. Like the judgment only came down yesterday. So my understanding, because I'm not a lawyer, I only play one on TV sometimes, is that the reason it was a summary judgment is because it was – so it was civil, not criminal, right? Um, and the judge ruled uh, summarily – because he said, he said in a case like this, he said there's, he said there are no grounds to go to trial. 
because there are no facts that can either be contended or are in contention. So like basically it's, it's so open and shut that it's not even worthy of a jury trial. Well, so, so, so that's, that's one thing because, well, because can I address so, that real fast? In, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so a, a counterpoint, unfortunately, the exact same thing happened in New York with his accuser who said like, you know, 30 years ago, he like messed with her in like a women's bathroom and he denied that. And the judge said, this is so undeniable that you can't deny it. And because he, uh, he denied it, they automatically found him guilty, not of the crime, but of, of like, like lying because he dared to say, I didn't do that. So if it's that type of thing where they're like, the facts are so against you that this cannot be contended. And then they say, therefore ruled. So, um, I'm not buying that because we have another real life example of someone saying, you know, he messed with me in a clothing store 25 years ago. And he, and they're like, you can't even dispute it. And he's like, well, no, I did not do that. And they're like guilty for defaming $5 million. Like, so if it's on that level, which I have no reason to think it's not, um, that's trash. So, so he wasn't, he wasn't found, um, he wasn't found guilty of defamation on that. He was found like civilly liable for sexual assault. The, the, but he wasn't, that's not the thing. That's not the thing. The it thing wasn't for sexual was assault. No it was for, it, it was for it. either way or the other. It was just one person saying Trump could not defend against it. Because there was nothing to defend against. This is what Nate is pointing to. Am, am I about getting it right? Well, basically, he had to pay $5 million, not because he, um, you know, it's basically he couldn't defend himself. So it was, um, I mean, if you want, help me Google this. But I, I've heard the story a lot. But I, it was something like, she said you did something to me. He said, no, I didn't. And the judge said, no, um, the facts are so the quote facts are so against you that you can't deny this. If you deny this and basically say, no, I didn't do this. I'm innocent. You're calling her a liar and that's defaming her. And now you have to pay her $5 million. That's, that's it. That's not at all what happened in the case though. Okay. So let's, let's go. Okay. So, all right. So, so that aside, cause what I brought up to you was about the whole business thing and stuff like that, the fraud, right? So, okay. So let's put that aside. Okay. So you, you think that basically all these things are being, you know, you know, brought up against him. Do you also think that's the case with the four indictments and 91 felony charges? You think those are all just made up? I haven't looked at all yes. 91, but absolutely. <laughs> You haven't looked at it, and you think it's made up. Well, have you looked yes. at them, and you think it's not made up? So wait, opposite question to you. Are you saying you have looked at them, and you think they are all legit? Obviously not, right? Obviously no, no, right. I, no, I haven't, no, I haven't looked at all of them. Do I, think that the, do I think that they're legit? I don't know, but that's why, but that's why he's going to court, right? Like, like that's why he'll go, that's why well, he'll go I to think trial. That, well, I think the real reason is like Jack Smith and all these people doing this, they, I th it's my hunch that just watching these people and, you know, not just Trump, but like whenever they do this stuff is to tie people up. So like Jack Smith is like the most overturned person, in like probably the world. So they don't care. Like, this is my hunch. They don't care if they get a conviction or not, because they believe it's probably going to be overturned because the stuff they're doing is so insane that it's not going to stand in higher courts, but they don't care. Their goal is a, to drain the war chest, to drain his money and B tie him up from campaigning try to get gag orders so he can't campaign, basically try to mess with him
to keep him out of 2024. And that is their goal. So if something gets overturned in 2024, 2025, 10 years later, it doesn't matter. They don't care. They just want to drain his money and drain his ability to speak and campaign. I'll take it one further. I think all of these prosecutors should be put on trial for treason against the United States, not because of Trump, but because of what they're doing to our electoral system. And if found guilty, they should get the death penalty. I, I, I genuinely think that treasonous action that these people, all of these prosecutors are so treasonous against the United States of America, they absolutely have found guilty, deserve the death penalty. Well, let me throw one more thing in there, too. Um, so just like the free speech, right? Because, uh, I mean, you know, I don't think it's wrong. So did it get in some brownie points? Is he doing it for self-promotion or whatever? But we see it's not wrong. So, like, you know, whenever Trump, like, touts, he's like, look, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you, and I'm just standing in their way. So it's like, you know, they got to go through me to get to you, whether for whatever reason, because he's the candidate, because he's the top contender, because he's, like, very, very popular and everyone knows him. But for whatever reason, it seems just like that. Not unlike, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like Owen Schroyer. Um, he's, he's a pretty provocative, like, you know, media person, uh, very, very conservative side of things. Anyway, so he was just, he, he like got a sentence. He's got to spend time in jail because um, he was at January 6th. He was at the rally and he was one of the guys on the megaphone. There's like hours of video. He was there like four hours or something. And I saw it on like live cable news, like, you know, because he's, he's a pretty one on guy. So like on the regular news channels during J6, like you saw him. So it wasn't just like one-sided on his show, but this is stuff like, you know, CNN has clips up. Like the guy was out there, but whenever people are starting to walk in the Capitol, he stayed on the steps. So there's footage of him never going into the Capitol. In contrast, he's on a megaphone yelling at people to peacefully turn and go home. Anyway, um, they said he was guilty of treason for stepping foot on the Capitol grounds, blah, blah, blah. And... You know, it's been going on since January 6th, and they just uh, they just sentenced him and said one of the reasons, because he was on probation up until this time or whatever, and they said under sentence guidelines, the reason the prosecution recommended – it was like 120 days in jail or something. Um, he got half of that, but the, the whole reason that they wanted him sent to prison was specifically because he continues to deny that the election was real, so he still touts that the election was stolen, and because he was unrepentant of that. So the entire reason the prosecutor wanted to petition the judge to send him to jail was for his speech. Like, not even the fact that he's a journalist and they usually have more leeway, but it's totally for speech. It wasn't because of an action. It wasn't because of a deed. It was because he, he – oh, and he called Joe Biden a pedophile. Like, in the, in the guideline, that's it. It says he calls Joe Biden a pedophile. He's unrepentant and still claims J6 was – like, the election was stolen. So he's being sent for free speech, and because of that – and then a lot of people say, well, he's too far right. You know, he deserves it. I don't really know. I don't really care. And, you know, everyone's just like, just watch this guy. Whatever happens to him is going to happen to other people. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. He's too extreme. He probably deserves prison. Well, now there's like an independent journalist who I, I don't think is conservative. All. I, I forget the organization, but it's not a conservative outlet. But this independent journalist is now facing prison time for uh, being in, in the Capitol on January 6th. But he was there as a journalist. He wasn't a participant. He was there as an independent documenter, and now they're going after that guy for his freedom of press just for being there, and they're putting him in jail. So I agree with Chris. Like These people are next level, so they're, they're really forcing their hand, and it's not, an, like, it's not enough to be like neutral at this point even, like this non-conservative independent journalist documenting stuff. 
Like you have to be like hook, line, and sinker with them, like pledging allegiance, um, or you're screwed. Like they're going to throw all their weight and all their power against you. And for things like the First Amendment, like that, that that's insane. That, that it would it would even be a conversation in the United States to go to jail for your speech. And it's not like fire in a movie. It's like saying you question an election. Like pretty much every Democrat in the last 20 years who's lost an election has questioned it. Like Madonna, Madonna said she was going to thought about bombing the Capitol. Like, you know, I'm almost done. Like, you know, Clinton said she will not accept this. Like it's stolen. She still thinks 2016 was stolen from her. That's fine. Stacey Abrams, every time she loses another governor's race, she says the election was stolen. She's not going to take it. She still hasn't conceded. So it's fine when the other side, the political you know, side aligned with them does it. But if anyone else does it, freaking jail time? Seriously? I don't even know where we started, but anyway, if anyone wondered, those are my thoughts. So we started somewhere else, but it's okay. Okay, so um, is, there, is there – okay, so he, he goes to trial – He's, let's say, you know, he's convicted. Let's say he gets 90 acquittals and one conviction. Okay. Um, is there, is there any world where I mean, like, I just, I just think this is interesting. And again, I, I have the, the glory of detachment, right? Cause I can, I can watch this eating popcorn from a safe place called Canada. Um, but you know, it's like, from what I've seen, like, because the, the um, Jack Smith's witness list is public, they're all Republican. Um, and, and I'm just curious, like, is there any world where he gets convicted where you will say, wow, I guess he's guilty? No, um, there, it's political prosecution. There is no world in which Trump gets convicted of any of these crimes where anybody would buy it, and what it is is an attack on the institutions. This is why it is actionable treason. It is an attack on the institution of the Constitution of the United States. And this is where political violence begins, and you start lining armies up against each other. This is how the Civil War began, not with well, not with prosecutions, but with other things. Like, this is, this is the destruction of the institutions, where the only viable alternative becomes violence, that cannot be done. Like, we cannot have political violence. It's nuts. Like, no one wants that except the left. They're trying to push political violence because they think they can win. So, so, that's, so that's really interesting. Like, on, on, one, on one side, Chris, I agree with you. And I think, I think the, the unfortunate reality is I think, you, I think the U.S. is heading towards civil war. I think that's going to happen. I, I want so much to be wrong. But I don't think I am. Um, and that's really interesting because, you know, it's like if you're, you're talking about, you know, political violence. So all of the stuff that happened on January 6th, which is like all photo and video documented, was political violence. Okay. Like that was, was it political. Violence? It, 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 absolutely. There was, no it, 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 there was no violence. Nobody there was, was no killed. Violence. No one was well, killed. Yeah. The people that were killed were killed by government agents. Really? The people that were, yes, 100%. Look it up. Like, there were zero people killed by the protesters. Everyone who died on January 6th was either killed by a government agent, a la Ashley Babbitt, um, or the, the police officer that died died two days later from a heart attack. Um, 
like, you know, and then the other three people died of, you know, heart attacks, which is statistically insignificant in a protest that size. There's always people who have cardiac events and things like that. And so, you know, this narrative that there was political violence from the right on January 6th is completely false. Sorry, I'm just looking, just looking something up. But okay, so then, okay, so then you don't think, so you don't think any of the actions by the protest, you don't think there was any violence? You don't think that any of the destruction within the Capitol was violence at all? No. No, it was not violence. Um, you know, I mean, was it dumb? Yeah. Uh, was it, you know, like silly? Yeah. I mean, you had the buff, the weird QAnon Buffalo dude running around who was just being escorted by Capitol Police and he's just chatting with them and stuff. This is all on video. And they like, prayed the together. Is, Let's not forget that, right? They yeah. ushered him in and he's, they took him to the halls of Congress and they all prayed together. Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's really hard to make it's a violent operation out of that. of violent people. I think the, the, the problem, Michael, is that the narrative that has been spun in the media is one of political violence, and that simply is not fit the facts that the, the facts that are on the ground, especially with the video and audio evidence. Uh, what they what they first was selectively edited videos, and the huge deal with Tucker Carlson, and I'm not a Tucker Carlson fan, I think he's kind of a whack job, um, but he played, he released all of the unedited video for people to see themselves, and it made the January 6th narrative go away. Like, it destroyed the entire political violence narrative, and now they're very angry about that. And they're going after literally anybody. I mean, like, you know, the, this is the left. So this is this is a concerted effort by people on the left that are running institutions like the Justice Department. This is mid-level staffers in the DOJ. This is um, people that are associated with various state courts. All of these attorneys are extremely left-wing, and they are going after their political opponents using the the arms of justice to do so in such a way that is absolutely treasonous and they are doing this on purpose to attempt to break the american system destroy it and devolve it into actual political violence they're doing it on purpose they are traitorous and they should all be put on trial and if found guilty of treason executed so that this type of thing will not happen on the right or the left because what's happening right now is we're going into a vicious cycle where now when the right gets elected back in, they're going to try the same exact nonsense that the left is doing because they can't help themselves. And this is how countries devolve into political violence. And it has to be stopped at the root through the institutions that we still have threadbare, but they're still there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's possible for me to disagree with you anymore, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we may just have to leave it. And like one of the things like, you know, like Tucker's, um, Tucker's, um, the videos, like who, who sent it to him? I forgot who sent it to him, but whatever the congressman or the house or whoever did it, whoever released it to him, like one of the things he showed that they claimed, like one, the, the cop, one of the cops that died from a heart attack days later that Chris was talking about. They were trying to say, no, it happened there, and he also had a, a concussion, and he got, like, a severe head injury, 
and had to be like removed for like, you know, because they were so violent. Well, one of the things they showed is after the time they claim that happened, like hours later, you see that cop walking through, like escorting people, like moving barricades and like helping or- organize people through. And they're like, that cop, that's the one that like four hours ago got a head injury and had to be removed for medical attention. And you said died, but actually it was like two days later. And it, it, so it just like showed all their lies. Like it, there's, there's just no way around it. I mean, and we're not beholden to it, right? So if there is, if it was like, you know, two cops did, did die, like bad stuff happened, like half of what they said was true, um, you know, arrest and prosecute those individuals that did it. That doesn't mean that, you know, the 80-year-old grandma needs to be doing like hard 20-year time for stepping a foot on the Capitol. So it's like, we, I have no interest in, you know, how violent it was, except for the truth. And the truth is, it was, it was not. Like there, there were some, I mean, there was like a handful of people that I, I think you could say like, from what we saw before the Capitol, like that, that they got riled up thanks to like people like Ray Epps, who, by the way, have never been prosecuted. Um, There's a mystery. But, um, you know, they were kind of aggressive. They oh, were pushing oh, they and shoving. they discharged him with a misdemeanor, Nate. They discharged him with one misdemeanor so they could stop having that talking point. And, and then they're going to they're gonna drop charges. I guarantee they're going to drop the charges. Like, when everyone forgets about this and move on to other other things, like, you know, Trump's, like, 8 millionth indictment, Ray Epps will quietly go away and they're like, oh, wasn't he charged? He's probably charged. Justice is probably done. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got that guy who's total plant saying, go into the Capitol. And uh, that's that's fine, I guess. But like, you know, the like the, the Proud Boy group, like all, all those people, like they're just walking around in the Capitol, um, like arm in arm with police officers, escorting them around, not doing any aggressive action because they don't need to because the cops are not like, they're not aggressing. Like, that's the thing. It's not enough to say, well, you're defending them. They were being aggressive. And you're saying they weren't. No, legitimately, even if they wanted to be aggressive, there was no need to because the cops weren't being aggressive. They weren't being aggressive. They were walking together through the halls of Congress. So, anyways, was the election stolen? Did Trump win? Okay, I think so. No, I think that I think that the election was leaned, and it was leaned um, by great effort. And the left even says this. There's a whole Time Magazine article about how they were able to skew the election away from the normal election process to favor Biden. Um, was it stolen outright, like illegally stolen? No, it was pushed through with, uh, and this is all Trump's fault. This is Trump bears responsibility for this. He did not have people on the ground two years before the election fighting all of the things that they were changing to make sure that Trump didn't get elected. And so in state houses, they changed all of the election rules in order to favor left-wing candidates um, in such a way as to make it more difficult for Trump to get reelected um, in in all of the state houses in the swing states. And Trump did nothing about it. He did nothing. And so he lost the election because it was his own fault. Well, and he, he lost it because he didn't he did not put the people on the ground two years before because he was an arrogant dork. Well, well let me let me like try to give an overview. So I'm just going to say yes categorically, but then all the stuff Chris is saying. So on the on the far end of it um, that is disputed. I mean, you, I, I don't think you can dispute some parts, but how much it swayed it is disputed. So like you know, in a, a Atlanta where the pipe miraculously burst and they had to shut down counting. And like lots of vans just kind of show up and bags go in. There is no question in my mind 
they forged ballots, they just shoved ballots they needed. Is that enough to to sway that? I don't know, but he seemed to you know he seemed to lose. Like if you watch till they count, he's like winning in a landslide. The next day after they get the pipe fixed, um, you know it's like oh my gosh, like eighty percent of the next you know hundred thousands of ballots came in for Biden. Wow, interesting. Um, and then oh, like when the, when me oh god okay wait <laughs> go ahead wait, let, let me get through this let me get through this so. You, you, okay, you you can dispute how much it swayed it, but you just cannot dispute that. And like this next thing we're about to say, like whatever I forget the place, but like when the Republicans are trying to count and they force the Republican watchers, the poll watchers, out of the building, they lock the doors and they put up. They left all the Democrats there. They put cardboard. Do you remember that? They taped cardboard across the windows so the Republican vote counters could not see what was happening. One hundred percent illegal. So you don't have to say that that swayed the entire election, but you can't say there was no fraud. I'm almost done. We're going back to reasonable. And then, yes, we have like countless hours, like, you know, Dinesh D'Souza's thing, like, you know, edited, not, doesn't matter. The point is, undoubtedly, there were people paid operatives to go stuff ballots. How much it mattered, anyone can say. But then you go all the way back to normalcy, um, to the other side, which no one can dispute. Everyone admits this, even the people who did it admit it. That And now we find out that, you know, the FBI had direct channels to Facebook telling them to crush the Hunter Biden laptop story. Like even Democrats admit that would have caused a 10 percent swing in their voting. And that would have been enough to greatly affect and possibly even change the election just on that. So no matter how you slice it, the election was stacked and leaned and rigged against him. And now we see direct correlation between government operatives and three letter agencies with Twitter, Facebook, all these places telling them what to do, telling them what to censor, telling them what to filter. So to say that this election was not messed up on all counts is is highly, I think, dishonest or ignorant. Like, do you get what I'm saying, Michael? So you can dispute whether or not it was outright stolen, like if, if there was enough, enough outright fraud to, to sway it. But I don't think anyone with a clear conscience can dispute the stuff that was actively censored. Like Zuckerberg's like $400 billion poured in to skew it. And they're censoring at the behest of the feds and things like that. So the Republican Secretary of State and his officials, they they lied during the the, the January sixth committee meetings. Yes. Yes. I mean, like, and again, that's not the Secretary of State. That's a that's a different thing in America, but. So, like the people that uh, were testifying that were Republicans, there is a there is an incentive structure for them to throw other Republicans under the bus to get the media contracts and all these other things, because now that they are Trump officials, they are untouchable. They cannot get jobs in Washington, and so the incentive structure is in place for them to testify and perjure themselves um, for whatever they're asked to do. It is absolutely the case that a lot of those mid-level executive type folks um, from the three-letter agencies absolutely lied. We have we have evidence that is out now that uh, people have perjured themselves during the January six. I mean, they're going at the Republican Congress is now going after some of these people that perjured themselves during that testimony. Um, they're also actively, they just, they just went up against, uh, who was the guy that, that just, uh, that just committed perjury and now they're going to, they're going to throw the book at them, but the DOJ will not prosecute. And so you basically have a ultra left-wing department of justice 
that will not prosecute crimes that are committed by Democrats. It's just the way it is. We have a two-tier justice system. Oh, I, oh, I think I think there is a two-tier justice system because I think in, in any other realm, charged with the crimes that Trump was charged with, he wouldn't have been released pre-trial. But in any other realm, he wouldn't have been charged with those crimes. Like no one else possibly, would. You can't possibly know that. You can't. Possibly. Okay. Of you okay. Can because okay. Hillary Clinton the same thing and Barack Obama did the exact same things that Trump did, and no one would dare prosecute them. They did the exact same things, and Worse. no one prosecuted them at all. No one even thought about it because that would be an attack upon American democracy, and it would be unthinkable. But because Orange Man Bad and he has a Twitter account, somehow it becomes okay to destroy the entire Western, all of Western civilization, to go after Cheeto Man. And this is the derangement syndrome that we're dealing with, and this is why I say they have to be dealt with and dealt with swiftly and harshly so that you this know, doesn't happen again. You know, Chris, if you, I'll let you call me a Calvinist if I can call you a good Trump disciple. Like, you can't stand the guy. And, I mean, the fact that Chris is coming out on this is proof that, you know, he is not doing this because <laughs> he cares about Trump. <laughs> he cannot stand Trump. Um, so, you know, he's doing this for all the other, you know, legitimate reasons. Like, this is bigger than one guy. Um, this is our, our entire country. Like, the Civil War is probably going to happen in my lifetime. I, I think it is. I, I, th I think there is I think there is a Civil War brewing in, in the United States, unfortunately. And like I said, I want to be wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to come to violence. I, you know, I think they're going to try to push the the entire idea for the left right now is to try to push the right against the wall until they respond with violence, so that they can then wave the bloody flag for generations to come. It's what happened in the Civil War. You you got the waving of the bloody flag, um, which is how Republicans defeated Democrats for about four generations after the Civil War. They were just like, yeah, well, you guys were responsible for all the death in the Civil War. And this is like an actual ta tactic. You can learn about it, read about it. Um, I think that that is their point, is that they are trying to get political power. They want the socialist utopia. They know they can't get it with the current uh, milieu of American thought. And so they're attempting to get the right to perpetrate violence in order to push their agenda forward. Yeah, I also don't agree with that. Like you, I mean, you had like, for example, um, you know, with, uh, you know, with uh, Obama, you know, everybody talks about, oh, you know, the whole, you know, the, the socialist um, health care he tried to institute, which was, of course, nothing of the kind. Um, you know, I mean, he, he had, you know, he would have had the opportunity at that point, you know, but he he didn't want and nor nor does does Biden want um, you know, for like just touching on one thing, you know, just kind of the, the healthcare, like from a, you're talking about the socialist thing, like that's that's one big kind of a buzz thing when it comes up when you talk about socialism is is, is a single payer healthcare, um, and you know, uh, Obama didn't do it, and neither has Biden, so I, I I don't I don't see it the same way, and I wish I didn't have to go into a meeting now, but I do, um, and yeah, I you know, shock of all shocks, I I disagree uh, with you know virtually everything you said but that's okay uh we can <laughs> that's we can okay still... we can agree to disagree yeah we can still be we can still be friends and if and if if the proverbial if the proverbial does 
hit the fan in an unspeakable way, you you guys can still come and shelter at my house where there's no guns. Can I bring mine? Okay. No, not at all. Uh, okay. uh, Michael, would it I be don't easier? Own any guns, but I'll go to Nate's house first. What you don't? What kind of Floridian are you? Uh, Michael, do you see? I think I know the answer. Would it be easier for you to convert to Christianity or uh, what you've heard today as far as Chris and I uh, political leanings? Um, well, so even even when I was a Christian, I was still liberal. So, yeah, the, the answer would be easier to convert to Christianity. <laughs> I love it. That's, and it's more of an eternal benefit for you. So go ahead and uh, do it. Um, yeah, now, you will do it, always do it, get do it, an do it, now, honest do it. answer. <laughs> you will always get an honest answer from Michael. That is what I love for Michael. Is he's not gonna he's not gonna blow sunshine up your skirt. Nope, never, never will. Anyway, guys, I got to go to a meeting. <laughs> Take care, Michael. Can that be yeah. another spirit, the sunshine spirit, or is that too holy sounding? Oh, I, but I am gonna look up Jennifer Leclaire when I get some time later. Dude, <laughs> and it's I'll, well uh, worth your time. So I'll, I'll good, report. So I'll funny. report back tomorrow. The Lauren, the Lauren Bobberts to the MTG. Okay. Yeah, there you go. All right, guys, we'll see you. Yeah. The AOC to the Pomosi. Man, this is like getting poetic in here. Um, yeah, I actually have to go to a meeting too, Nate. But uh, yeah, I actually have to go too. <laughs> to an appointment. <laughs> it's nice when things work out. Yes, Abba, right. I would, I would, I would oh. expect you to disagree with everything I said. I know that we disagree on politics a great deal, uh, but that's okay. We can still be friends. Well, everyone, thanks for being here. Fun day. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care.